All right, we're doing it. Um, here we are again. Uh, my name is Bob Bridges. Um, I am super amped uh, to talk to the dude that I've got across me right now. Um, uh, he and I have a lot of common ground, although we're very different people, which I totally <laughs> geek out on that idea. Um, I love sure. it. Um, uh, the name of this podcast, so I'm going to introduce it. Um, uh, it is called The Visit. Now, <laughs> there's this woman in New York that trademarked the fucking name, right? The Visit. Of course. In parentheses, spelled yeah. properly, all that. So, um, I'm cheating a little bit. My 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 titling is V-I-Z. IT okay. the visit yeah. you know so we're branding we're on, we're on the up and up right for sure you know um so when i was a kid um my my parents would load us up in the car and um and we would um they'd say let's go we're we're leaving well where are we going well we're gonna go visit right it was a it was a, just a general term that was used for going and seeing a, f- a family member or okay. a friend or something like that, um, and so that's just what I knew. Like I didn't, they didn't necessarily need to tell me where we were going. Um, I just knew that we were going to go visit, and I'd probably end up seeing a cousin or, yeah. or something. You like were that. in for the experience. Yeah, of course, of course. And um, it's 2020, and my my youngest son is 18 mm-hmm. my oldest daughter is 22 i don't remember i don't have a recollection of taking them to do those sort of things very often okay very occasionally i don't know i'd love to hear if if um your experience was different but for me and the way i raise my kids we didn't do that and it sucks i don't i don't like the idea that we didn't do that but um we didn't and um and so now it's 2020 uh everything is social media uh, everything is posting shit to your to, to your social media. Yeah, I was yeah. going to elaborate on that. Yeah, you're you're fucking putting your highlight reel out there, right? For sure. Um, not very many people post real shit. No, everybody's trying to impress or go with like the trend of it all. So yeah, yeah, and I I I personally, I you know I'm. This is old guy talk, right? So I'm 43. Um, I've been through a few things, lost some people, had some serious ups and For some sure. serious downs. Um, you're half my age, but I'm sure you've been through quite a few of those yourself. And um, I recognize that today's way of communicating using social media is a shitty way to do it. Yeah, there's no um, emotion, I guess you can say, or it's it's easy to misinterpret the way that things are being put out there yeah and and there's a lack of depth mm-hmm. um that's the part i miss a lot is the lack of depth like um the sort of getting to know somebody really well like when i was a kid laying in a tent because my buddy and i were camping somewhere and talking for hours about everything and nothing while lying in a completely dark tent listening to crickets yeah you know what i mean when you do shit like that, you really get to know somebody. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, does that happen anymore? I, in my life, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my life is busy enough that that um, I have to make an effort. Um, and I think, judging from looking from the outside in, that other people have the same problem. For sure, I yeah. Don't, I don't think I'm unique in that. So this whole modern communication thing, I think, is, is shitty. 
Um, so this is, as I mentioned before, I don't, very few people have listened so far. This is super new. I'm glad to be in the beginning of it all, though. Yeah. You know? um, but I, Making history. Yeah, well, maybe. But presently for me, this is an excuse to, to sit down and get to know somebody really well. Yeah, this is and, very cool. And there are, there are people that I'm curious about. You're one of them. Um, so when the kids were younger – oh, by the way – um, we're four and a half minutes in, and I have yet to introduce my <laughs> my guest. Um, I have that problem too sometimes. How old are you? Uh, I'm 25 years old. 25. Okay. Yep. So I have the 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 very young in <laughs> in my terms, uh, Mr. Kyle Lucader. Don't forget handsome. And handsome. No, no, Devast- no, devastatingly, like I had. I, there's there's women outside of the house <laughs> looking through the window right now. Oh, stop it. They're very voluptuous too. You're a lucky guy. <laughs> oh yeah. They followed me in. <laughs> yeah. Well, who can blame them, right? Um, uh, so dude's name's Kyle Lucader. Um, I'm familiar with him through my kids. So my daughter's 22. So my daughter went to school with Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you sort of shook some shit up a little bit from what I can tell. And I have a very peripheral <laughs> vision of it. Right. Okay. And that I think you may have set trends in Staunton school at okay. one point because of your music, because yeah. From the outside looking in, you look like an artistic guy who doesn't really set your standards based on what other people are doing. Yeah. You've kind of got your own thing going on. For sure. Um, you can confirm or deny that. I don't know. Um, and so well, that's my you. peripheral vision of Kyle Lucader is a dude who started rapping, playing music, recording music, posting to YouTube, posting to SoundCloud, all these things um, back when it was really, I mean, that was... 10 years ago probably yeah and yeah it was like not really a thing that like i realized i was kind of a computer kid very early on yeah like um i remember like my i kind of grew up with a single a single mom and a lifestyle like that so like i remember she would she was working at hardy's late nights or sometimes she was working the night shift places and then i would just kind of come uh you know she'd be sleeping you know sleeping in the mornings and i'd just be up early cranking on the computer and stuff so like playing and back in the day it was stuff like you know minesweeper and you know dumb stuff like that but over time I kind of you know like you know social media started to evolve I felt like I always hung out with people that were a lot older than me just because I had uh I was always getting babysat like or my uncles and stuff they were they were young but older so I wanted to be older than what I was I think always and like that kind of drove me like want to get on social media and it was right around the time when MySpace actually had came around so that's like I don't know. I quickly realized that there was like a whole other world out there aside from what I was living in uh, and the physical reality. You know what I mean? Wow. You recognized it early. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know if I necessarily recognize it. I think it's just something that I did. And then nowadays it kind of seems weirder. Like um, whenever I did start doing music, some of the things that I was just doing was based off necessity. I had seen other artists that had like their merchandise and stuff. So I had a little bit of background with my art and I enjoyed it. So I I started to like develop my own merchandise and stuff like that, but I didn't. And I had like a website <laughs> and a web store. I'm like 13 years old. 13 years old with your own web store and your own style. Yeah, I didn't even realize like why I was doing it. It just made sense. Like I knew that other people had merchandise, and if I wanted to be big, then like I needed to have my merchandise too, you know. Yeah. And nobody was gonna do it for me either. So, just like if you want to do it right, what do they say? Like do it yourself. Well, you certainly can't trust anybody like you can trust yourself. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean it's good to have other opinions, but. That's awesome. So, thirteen is any of that stuff still lingering around? 
Do you have any of that? Uh, like design-wise or music-wise, would you say? Design-wise, first off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely saved like some t-shirts and stuff. And I think, I don't know, you might be able to find the website out there somewhere. I know it's like hosted on like one of those t-shirt uh, making websites and yeah. stuff. So maybe I'll have to go like order some more, crack them back out. Dude, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should bring it sure. back. I mean, I definitely get messages here and there about people like asking me like if, uh, like where they can find the music at and stuff like that because I'm not necessarily like so into it these days, but... It's it's really cool to know like it actually had an impact on certain people and stuff because I wasn't doing it necessarily. To change, I was really doing it for myself. I was just like a young angsty teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess like you know other people are angsty too, and other people connect to it. So whenever people people relate, you know. Yeah, I mean Sydney brought the music to me, and she you know she had me listen to it, and and I remember thinking like this music's quite. I mean I expected to hear a kid recording something that sounded badly <laughs> that wasn't necessarily rhythmically pleasing yeah. or or poignant lyrics or anything like that and i was like this is actually pretty mature music like yeah. is this a sign of the Thank times you. or is this something special yeah i don't know which maybe it was both you know you're you guys is you guys from a from a, a from an early start had production quality hardware built into such smaller packages yeah. compared to when you know guys who had bands back when i was growing up like they had a guitar they had a mixer you know they had their own amps and stuff it like took that a lot like, more man did it take a lot yeah. yeah and guys who were talented still had a hard time doing anything whereas yeah. now you can solo produce something really really good like even me right now like this macbook is well, they call it the crack book. That's how old it is. <laughs> yeah, I used um, to have that one. That was the first one I had. It's like a 15-year-old laptop still fucking working. Yeah, they're, they're charging. Yeah. and um, and But, I mean, from a software standpoint, 15 years ago, you are able to, to make a recording of this quality. And I, I've listened to what I've been recording here. Yeah. I've done a couple of them, and they sound good. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's crazy to think about, um, this, like, everybody has the capability of doing it. Me and you were kind of talking about it earlier. Everybody can ha uh, go out there and order like a microphone and they kind of record on their own. And I think like it completely changed the way that media is even it works. You know, not a lot of people have the attention span to go out and like um, watch a whole movie. But all these kids are on YouTube like going crazy and like watching reviews or oh, even man. even the gamers and stuff. You know, they're all on uh, streaming platforms. It's like people want to connect through this way. I think so. I think that you're really onto something with the visit. I remember. Um you know, like connecting digitally jogs my memory and takes me all the way back to like 1995 mm -hmm. when I got my first, probably prior to that, before I had my first real computer, um, I had a laptop. It was a real laptop, but my first new computer, I had a laptop and we connected with um, a 128K modem, right? Okay. Dial up. And I don't know if you have any idea what that is, yeah. but we're talking a total nightmare, right? Yeah. And I remember there were these things called chat rooms and i remember talking i was so mind blown by the the, the idea that i was talking to a guy cuz i had a porsche back then yeah. i was talking to a guy in a chat room in australia who also had the same car i did yeah and like we were having a conversation like i'm talking to somebody was it like a on, forum like based on like for automo or automobiles and like um, porsche no it wasn't it was sort of a general back then there were just general chat rooms okay. which were just sort of gathering places yeah um i don't even really recall how they worked all that much um i think it was basically kind of like a chat wall okay that we would know today like like the the like the twitch stream it'd be like that and people would just talk 
and you could jump in on their conversation and okay. and they had rooms that were dedicated to different ideas yeah um and i you know i guess cars came up in, in one of them and i you know made the connection yeah and halfway around the world not halfway around the other side of the planet is a guy who shares this interest and i'm having a conversation typing yeah it just was there any like personal uh info back then like was there any like profile pictures and stuff like that or no you just had a you had a an alias you know a name um nobody used their actual name for sure um and so you had like a screen name an alias or an avatar what we would know as an avatar now we call it an alias then yeah um but there were no it uh, the processing power just wasn't there. Like my very first laptop was fucking black and white. Yeah, it was the Toshiba Toshiba la- uh, Toshiba satellite. It was, um, it was as thick as this table. Okay, and just about as heavy. Yeah, fought <laughs> <laughs> a war. Yeah, um, and uh, I used that for a couple of years. This actually was the, my word processor when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, and then you know bought an actual gateway computer. Yeah, um, was it like a desktop? Yeah, desktop, huge monitor, yeah. and I was amped because I think um, I had four gig of total memory. I was thinking, man. Oh yeah, like yeah. I've heard about like things like where they say like you know the, a computer mouse is like almost as powerful as like the rocket that they first sent to the moon type of thing. It's Pretty like- much, <laughs> that's that's what this was. This was, um, yeah. Obviously, my iPhone is an infinitely more powerful yeah. device than that was, and that was just you know. 25 years ago the technological revolution is like insane it's it's funny to me like you hear people say like oh you know like we're living in like such terrible times and yeah like that's not to discredit any like things any polarizing like topics but like we literally are living in like some of the easiest times to be alive one and then two we're so fortunate to like experience like all the technology and stuff that we have and the world is changing probably faster than it ever has which is hard for a lot of people but I don't know. You just got to be fortunate to think about, like, or look at the, the right things that we're actually, like, able to live live through right now. Because if you go back in history, like, if you compare the moments that we're living in nowadays, it kind of is comparable to, like, a lot of really crazy events that have happened throughout throughout history as far as, like, the Industrial Revolution and times like that. Like, the world is changing that fast, I would say, again. Yeah. And that's – it's interesting that you have that perspective because that's a pretty – um, that's a pretty big view. Uh, so a lot of people, and I'm going to speak generally, which is mm-hmm. a terrible thing to do, but I'm going to yeah. right now, um, that you know, people tend to look 10 feet in front of them. And I don't think we often enough take that 10,000-foot view yeah. of, of things or, or a more historical view. I was yeah. talking to a guy earlier today. He was talking about how his daughter came in the room was talking about what was happening in Minneapolis and, and she was really visibly upset and um, and um, I and he was very empathetic because she was sad and it was his kid right mm-hmm. so he's emotionally attached to her sadness um, and I said well be sure to give her context because in spite of what's going on right now, we're still in the most peaceful time in probably human history. You know, you think about the Crusades, millions of people died in the Crusades. Yes. How many, how many millions did Stalin kill, you know, because they were just intelligent or had an opinion? Um, uh, even world war one and two, like hundreds of thousands. And, and, and in terms of the Jewish population, we're, we're, I mean, and yes, the things that have happened recently are, really bad 
Um, I don't want to take any pain away from the people who are suffering, but because life is so good, like, I mean, I look outside the window right now and there's (laughs) all these houses, even, even the poor people have flat panels on their wall, right? Yeah, there's no more like panel, uh, what's it called, like wood paneling, shiplap and stuff, and you know what I mean. Like everybody's living pretty good these yeah, days. Yeah, you know? even even people who are having a hard time have a cell phone. Yeah, you know what I mean, a smartphone. They can Google something at a drop of a hat. Even, yeah. even the, like the information that people have access to. Oh my God, it's incredible. So, because I think because we do live so well, when we see something bad happen, we lose our shit for sure. That's I think a good, we lose our yeah, shit. I never thought about it like that. I thought it was more so like, which I guess it's probably a little both, but uh, just like the media, like the eye of it, you know, it's more broadcasted or, you know, like back in the day, you, you wouldn't necessarily hear about something that was happening across the, across the country until maybe a month or a few weeks later, because it, it just didn't make that big of an impact to you. It wasn't being shoved in your face. Like on every time you got on your Facebook or you watched flip on the TV. So yeah, that is a really interesting perspective of it because I never realized it's like, just in comparison to how good things are, people are just freaking out when bad things happen. Yeah, I think um, when I was a kid, and I, you know, I'm not good at history, and I was a shitty student, but uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to recall a time that is recent enough to me. But when Clinton was in office, um, there was a guy by the name of Slobodan Milosevic okay. who was, um, uh, he was um, a sort of a tyrannical leader over, and uh, I want to say. Um, not Slovakia. Um, um, what's the population of um, Europeans that we have over in like um, Tower Grove area? Oh, um, um, Bosnia. Bosnia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He so um, he was a- attacking Bosnia, killing tons of people, yeah. and um, the Bosnians escaped to America. And but the thing is, is because we didn't have social media, we had television yeah. and we had cable news. So CNN was talking about it, um, but that was really, that's how information moved. Yeah. So something that happened there on a particular, on a particular day, um, you know, it might take a couple of weeks, maybe a month for that information to really land in my lap. Yeah. Whereas now, um, now something happens on the other side of the planet and in seconds I can know about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's almost like you know about it before it even happens, you know? <laughs> well... You can just sense it nowadays. You know, there is something to that as well. Um, um, but it is staggering the difference. And I don't think... So I, I also believe that humans, we sort of, obviously, living things evolve mm-hmm. to one degree or another. And... Don't I think the information age is moving faster than our evolution can keep up? Yeah. The the way that we evolve, the way we pra, uh, take in information, the way we disseminate information. Um, I'm I'm I don't know as you if we're like, exactly built for this. Do you mean yeah, like in a, like more so like that it's attacking the personality? Like people don't have that kind of like mental capability to like understand all this that's going on or like process all of it probably more so me than you Mm -hmm. because i remember a different time yeah it'll be a gradient you you sort of grown up with it so it's sort of you're already sort of preconditioned or pre-exposed or or have a predisposition to it Mm -hmm. from a young age and kids who are younger than you you will be astounded by how easily they take in things that that either 
that you may struggle with for you know for whatever reason either you don't want to or yeah. or, or just doesn't come naturally i'm a tech guy yeah. so a lot of stuff still comes naturally to me because i put my interest in it and i put yeah, energy whatever, into it whatever you think about um but um as far as like you know whether or not we humans particularly some of us who remember a different time or grew up in a different way mm-hmm. um you might find it challenging to I personally distance myself from quite so much information. Yeah, oh, um, for sure. I don't do cable news. I, um, I don't, um, the, the stuff I take in on social media, I try to contextually understand, not just um, jump in on the headline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so um, you can definitely get information overload. I mean, what is, what is, what is you and what are you and your friends? Like, how do you guys deal so, with it? Yeah. To kind of like, I don't know. I think that whenever it first came, you know, like it was kind of like a drug. So everybody like jumped on it and everybody, you know, like everybody got really, really addicted to it for a little while. But I feel like with somebody who, at least for myself, not with everybody, I'm not going to speak in general terms here, mm-hmm. but I mean, for myself, I feel like there's kind of been a social media kickback almost in a way. I, okay. I know for a while I kind of was just like, and like I said, this could just be personal, but I just kind of like distanced myself from posting so much. I didn't want people to know like about my personal life and stuff too much. Like then again, I wasn't trying to put out the highlight reel, but I wasn't also like trying to put out information that nobody asked me for. And this, at the end of the day, you know, like there's yeah. that meme where it's like nobody. And then it's like me. And then it's like walking down the street, like, you know, strutting my stuff type of stuff. Like that's kind of how I see it now. But I think that it's kind of like a ripple effect. So I think that there's uh, people that are older than me that are still on that wave of riding social media out. Like, they're loving Facebook, you know. They got the Karens and, you know, all out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's a, it's, also, it's also, like, very good. Like, there's positive fa- parts of it, too, because that's how people are staying in touch with their family that's across the world. Uh, but I feel like, honestly, this is, I feel like I'm getting older because I don't understand, like, the TikTok revolution and, like, the oh, kids no these kidding. days. And, like, I feel like I'm finally reaching that stage where I'm like, what are these kids doing? Type uh, of thing. That's hilarious, dude. That's hilarious. Because, yeah. Jesus. Because yeah. I feel like they're still on it, like, very much so. And it may be because they're younger, but I don't know if they're, fi- if they're experiencing that kickback like I'm feeling. Well, I, what, I, what I'm hearing from you is it sounds like you've, you're, you're, disposition towards it has matured like oh yeah like there's cycles and many things and technology is very cyclical um uh, technology technological trends are very cyclical um and it seems like when it comes to social media you've been there you enjoyed it understood it realized its value and it didn't have great value in your life yeah. so you moved beyond it yeah or it makes you depressed and stuff like that like yeah. i quickly realized like I've always been somebody who, I don't know, like, have you ever heard of the term, like, a peasant mindset? It's like whenever you're, you think, like, they're, they're, I'll never do that, or they're always going to be better because um, they have it, they grew up with that, or, you know, they had the silver spoon in their mouth. It's like, well, that doesn't help you at all thinking that way. So I think, like, for a while, you know, you're exposed to all these people who are living these, be- quote-unquote, better lives than you. So it's, it's hard, you know, you, you, if you're exposing yourself that day in and day out, like it mentally, I'm sure some people aren't, don't experience this, but at least for me, like I was just like, all right, well that's, this is making me less happy seeing, seeing this stuff happen because one, it's not my life that I'm living in two, I'm like, I'm setting these expectations for myself that I wouldn't do if I was just living my life on my own, you know? So 
that's why I kind of was distancing myself because I felt like it helped me do my own thing more so. And then whenever I did start posting again, I realized like I got into art and getting, I was getting into art and photography and videography. So I had a whole plethora of things that I share, I could share that was actually like genuine rather than like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to post. Like this month, everybody's doing this type of thing. So yeah. I feel like I can maybe like. I don't know. I kind of stopped following a lot of pop culture people and kind of started following a lot more artists and people that were just not not even famous or people that maybe were older and just did art their whole life type of thing. And it really teaches you like that it's cool to just like enjoy what you're doing and then do whatever you want to do for real. Because like after you get away, if you separate yourself from any of that negative energy and you're enjoying yourself, you're going to find other people that are doing that as well. And then you, you grow on it, you know? So then you realize like, oh, wow, these people accept me for who I am. And like, these people like do what I like to do and I don't feel weird for liking this or being different. So I think like, I don't know, it's hard to, um, it's hard to grow whenever you're subjecting yourself to that negativity over and over again. And not everybody probably looks at social media in that way, but if you are looking at it that way, like don't check your phone in the morning, don't check your Facebook or your Instagram in the morning when you're waking up because that's probably going to set you back if you, if you're doing that and you're looking at it in a negative way like I was. So yeah, well, I think I know for myself personally, that's kind of a challenge because I, I'm a competitive person. Yeah. And I did, that's the flip. I did grow up, um, with less than more. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge guy, mm-hmm. you know, five foot five, 150 pounds. Um, I feel like, um, you know, physically I've got to do more in order to, to, to mark up, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, when I played baseball, I fucking played harder than most. Yeah, to to, to to be better than you know to be better than average, I had to be like a, a really amazing version of myself. You had to work for it. Yeah, super hard. And now at my age, I'm only trying to mark up to what I want. But mm-hmm. I can totally relate to what you're saying. Um, yeah, for sure. And everybody's putting, like I said, putting on their highlight reel. Yeah. Um, I post a lot about, you know, right now because fitness is such a big deal. I post that. And I thought I thought at first I had a feeling of this might be a little self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had people, like, saying stuff, like, about being inspired and shit. Yeah. Like, me helping motivate them. And I thought, well, fuck, now... Maybe it was self-indulgent, but now like there's a thread of something good out of it. Yeah. So I'm caught in two minds about it. Um, For sure, you know. I um, think that yeah, like ego is bad, but ego will also make you better. Uh, I mean, not not ego per se, but more so like I guess like whenever you have you get jealous of something or I don't know, you have to let that drive you in a way. Well, yeah, it's a driving force for me to. Um, for better or for worse, um, it's a real um, thing that I personally struggle with mm-hmm. is the the idea of being good enough. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine I'm the only one. I seriously doubt this is a unique point of view. But just being good enough in general because of the shit that happened to me when I was a kid and the yeah. way I – and I was brought up very, very well. My yeah. parents were very loving. There are other things in my life that were sort of destabilizing. For sure. Um, I wasn't raised by my biological mom. Mm-hmm raised by my grandparents watch my biological mom raise my brothers and sisters yeah and you, you know didn't what I mean? understand yeah it didn't and you never like as an adult i understand but the the 
mental understanding is different than the emotional feeling. Yeah, exactly. You kind of the, like the two never met in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then like you kind of there's, I'm getting older and old enough now where I'm like, I'm realizing that there's parts of my life that like I kind of had forgotten about or I blocked out, you know, because that's what humans do. And then, you know, you go through an experience and then that shit comes back to you or some weird oh. feeling. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah. You know? It feels very Twilight zone Yeah. And you're like, like, okay. And then you kind of regather yourself and you're like, let's just like, you know, keep, keep it going. Because, yeah, I, I actually, to kind of back, backpedal a little bit, I wanted to say, yeah, that's actually, you know, you said you were posting about your fitness. But, like, that's actually how we kind of became friends and stuff because we're like how we're meeting each other now because we both have interests in bikes and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, like, to go back on that, like, I have a similar thing too. Like I was raised, you know, I had a single mom and I had a very loving stepfather who raised me my whole life. And I just didn't know, uh, who my real father was my whole life. And then at 18, like I just kind of like, you know, unloaded I got a little, little drunk one night and I just like let my emotions get the best of me. And then like I let, which it was a good thing. It was a hard conversation to have, but I just like asked my mom what was up. And then I found out the truth about everything. And like, situation ended up being better than what I was probably imagining that it could have been. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, I understand it as an adult, but I mean, emotionally, it's just like, sometimes like, you're like, why? Like, it's different for me. Like, why, why am I different than other person than another person that like, I'm sure like you had the same feeling with your yeah. siblings. Yeah. And, and the internal comparison doesn't really have a place, mm-hmm. right? Like who sets that standard? the whole why or, or the how come or all that sort of, it's, it's really mental bullshit. Yeah. Like the, the fact that my biological mom didn't raise me wasn't a deficit for me. Yeah. It wasn't a reflection of me. It still isn't today. No. It was a reflection of her. Yeah. But yet I internalized it and I still internalize shit all the time. Yeah. Um, I just got a text message from somebody I'm hoping to see later tonight that well, I'm not going to see her as early as I want. Mm-hmm. And so my immediate reaction is to feel shitty about it. Yeah. And it's just not a reflection of me. And, and so it's a really something that it's a daily struggle for me. Yeah. I'm sure other people too, that when something bad is happening around you, it's not always our fault. Yeah. My mentor, that's one thing he always tells me. He's like, Kyle, don't take it personal. Nothing's personal in this life. People do their own things cause they want to do it. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it doesn't, that's not a determination of self-worth. Which is, which is, it is, it's relieving. I mean, there's the flip of the coin where you're like, oh, well, just like, why? Like, why not? You know, you wonder why not, why certain things don't go that way, but you just have to live with it. I mean, kind of. And then like, it's cool because like you said, whenever you get angry and you overreact about certain things, it like, it makes you think, um, later on down the road when things actually do like turn out, it's like, you know, cliches, there's a reason that there are cliches. It's because they're real, you know, like everything happens for a reason, you know? Yeah. Stereotypes are not just stereotypes for their own sake. They're usually founded and there's a thread of truth in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, funny thing enough about stereotypes, I remember uh, I was in, I was a sophomore in high school and my English teacher, you know, she was just, she was a Karen, I guess, you know, just like a real, like, let me speak to the manager looking type lady. So, you know, she, she had an attitude, but this one thing that she said, me and her didn't click. I was not a good student growing up, so I, you know, I had my fun. But she said one thing that really clicked, clicked with me. She said, there's a reason that people have stereotypes. It's because humans try and organize things in their brains. So whenever people are acting this way, like you're always trying to put your, put your peas in your place or put your marbles in their place or whatever the saying is. And, um, yeah, your brain is just try, always trying to organize things and trying like, it's it's a survival technique, mm-hmm. and you said I know I liked how you said looking into the future like ten thousand 
years into the future or 10,000 yards ahead. And I also like to look at things into the past too, like think about why humans behave the, the way they do or think about instinctual things. Like I've heard um, like so, something that the reason that guys will um, kind of like, you know, talk, you know, like kind of give each other a hard time is because like back in the day when people were hunting, you know, if, you're, if your friend was getting a little cocky and getting loud, you know, and he messed up the hunt for everybody, so that would ruin the food. So you had to kind of like, you know, give him his little, not, you know, give him jokes and joke yeah. around with him, kind of knock him back down to everybody else's level type of thing. So I don't know if it's true, but it's cool to think about things that are like instinctual. It sounds like a concept that fits. Yeah. Oops, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, the struggle of being human, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, certain things are uncontrollable. Um, one of the things that I have realized is like since I've lived in the city, I've kind of maybe purposefully exposed myself to people who have like a little bit harder life or a street life. Mm -hmm. And I've met a lot. I've had conversations with people through riding my bikes through some neighborhoods and I'll stop at the gas stations and, you know, probably some of the areas I shouldn't really be in and stuff, but I don't really think too much about it. And like, you realize like no matter what in life, no matter what troubles you're faced with, like you still got to live life every day and stuff. So certain people that have these luxuries they freak out about the littlest stuff maybe and then it's like oh man it's like you don't realize like even if even if the worst thing happened probably like you st you're still going to probably wake up tomorrow and like you have to deal with it so it's just like your outlook i think mm -hmm. like, i've seen some of the happiest homeless people in the world and some of the like i don't know some of the happiest people that don't really have anything they don't really want anything either so it's well, it's, it makes it very, very evident that happiness does not come through possession. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, my, my recent sort of... Um, I'm moving in this direction, although I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. my, my latest sort of slogan for life or the direction I'm trying to move is that I want less. Yeah. You know, um, I, uh, I... And Elon Musk has actually made this sentiment famous you know because he put out about a few weeks ago maybe a month ago that he was selling his houses okay and um and it, he's gonna try to get rid of as much material possession as possible yeah um the guy that started twitter is doing basically the same thing he's like liquidating yeah he's planning to die without any money okay so and he's a billionaire he's so he's from st louis as well right you know i think so actually yeah um and so the idea is for him to to disseminate his wealth over the course of his remaining life so that he winds up at zero at passing. And How and, do you know when you're going to die? Well, you know, I'm, like, that's a, <laughs> I'm sure he has attorneys <laughs> figuring out where money's going to go. For, and, oh, and yeah, whenever way, he does. Some way of spending it down in charitable lab. You he know. did a Facebook quiz that said, you know, find out when you'll die and how you'll die. And you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so I really want to move towards a less is more existence. You know, um, yeah. this house is far, far exceeds my needs. That's why there's a for sale sign outside. Okay. Um, I hope to have something, you know, square footage wise that better reflects my personal values. Yeah. And I can spend less time pursuing uh, mortgage payments. Yeah. And more time pursuing passions. For sure. You know? You, you know, your kids are getting older now and you might have a space that's like I, the studio space. I wish people could see it, what I'm in right now. I mean, it's so cool. Like I can just imagine like the little kid you like, that's one thing that I try and compare to you. You said you're very competitive. Like what the little kid you walk in here and say, man, would he be, ha would he be amped? 
um, about this now? Yeah, like, you know, do you, like, obviously you're driving based off your passions and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, that's one of my comparisons, or that's who I try and compete to. Yeah, he would geek out on certain things, like this wall. Yeah. He would geek out on, the the little kid version of me would geek out on this wall. Um, He'd geek out on the car. He'd geek out on the bikes. I've got some BMXs down in the basement and stuff like that. Like, and those are things that I, I must have been, like, um, uh, from a maturity standpoint, my my growth was stunted. Yeah. Because I never really fully grew up and became a real actual yeah, adult. Creative. Yeah. No, stay I, creative. I I I still love skateboarding. Those are the coolest people who like. I never want to like conform. Literally, um, and I I would imagine that things are probably a little different for you because like we were talking about, we are in this information age, so. It's like there might have been things that whenever you were a kid that you or like that we're living in now that there's no way you could have ever really imagined that we would be living through. Like some of those things that I um, always wanted was like I wanted a MacBook so bad whenever because like I don't know maybe that was a hype driven thing at the time but yeah you know and then I wor- I went and started bagging groceries at, I well let me start with here whenever I was in eighth grade I uh, my parents decided if we wanted to move they asked my family if we wanted to move to Germany because my my dad worked for the government. So uh, we all like kind of sat down at the table one night, and then oh my stepdad I should clarify, um, and then we we were like yeah you know we've had enough of the small town lifestyle let's go give it a shot it's only three years and uh, see we'll see a little bit of the world so um, yeah like whenever we whenever I got the chance to do that like I had the chance to like uh, to work jobs and stuff like that so. I was working, sorry, I got a little uh, sidetracked on what I was, where I was actually going with this. So yeah, I was working at a grocery store, uh, bagging groceries and stuff, and then I just like, all I was making was tips, so then I saved up enough to get a MacBook and stuff, and I guess wow. that's kind of like how I, all I wanted was like, maybe a DSLR camera, a mm-hmm. MacBook, and like, whatever I could do to just like, put my digital content out there, and then yeah, shortly after that, just tenfolded into recording music, and doing graphic design, and... You're recording music when you're here in here in this town. Yeah. So yeah, yeah somewhat, a little bit. That was the more of the stuff that you were thinking pro- that you probably would have. Uh, if you heard that, that would probably would have been what you would probably were expecting to hear type of stuff, like recording on like a little mic with a sock on it type of thing with yeah. a rock band mic and stuff. Like yeah. that probably would would have been a little bit more. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, earlier today, I took time to, to try to Google you and try to find some YouTube, and I, I found some stuff on YouTube, and I found some stuff on um, yeah. on SoundCloud. Yeah, I've actually taken a lot of stuff down kind of over the I, years. I was, I was suspicious that you might have, like yeah. you're trying to reduce your footprint. For sure. I wanted it to be like, if anybody was looking up what I was doing, I wanted it to be the, the stuff that I was proud of, I guess you could say, the yeah. more recent stuff, because there was, you know... I, you, as you can imagine, making music from the time you're 13 to probably 18 or 19, whenever I, I start, kind of stopped. Like, you, you're a way different person from that time to the. Oh my end goodness! Yeah. yeah, and that's that's quite a quite a poignant comment coming from somebody who's 25. Yeah, I to mean, recognize that. Well, I mean, they say, what is it like? Your cells change out. Like, you're a different person. Like. In the next seven years, yeah, like completely biologically, all your cells in your body are different. Completely recycles and yeah, yeah, it's insane. So yeah. I mean that I don't know, not not to get too cliche, but that's why you got to give people shots and stuff too. Like later on down the road, or somebody that you might not have like, yeah, not to get too deep. Yeah, well, yeah, there's something to that. Um, 
I, I subscribe to the idea of investing in quality. Mm-hmm. If you can find quality people, invest in them because they're super valuable. And, yeah. and um, that's a hard thing to, to ascertain. It's a hard thing to figure out sometimes Yeah, who's quality, who isn't. Uh, everybody is very... Yeah, because you got to learn the hard way. Oh, man. People are really motivated in really Every weird person. ways. It's nowadays. like a trial. You get that trial and a uh, 30-day trial with them. Mm-hmm. I wish that's how it was, you know? Yeah, they. I I heard something. You know, unfortunately, I'm not. I'm I'm a single guy, mm-hmm. and so um, I prefer not to be single. So yeah. I I try to get to know people, and and um, I heard some sort of statistic about when dating somebody. Like you don't actually get to know that real person until yeah. you're with them for like six months. Exactly. So it's so yeah, in six months' time, you'd expect that you've dated, you've been out a lot. As an adult, you you know you probably have in a six month time span. You'd probably expect to have been intimate and and like there's all these things yeah. that come that because of the way modern society is that come before actually getting to know the real person. Yeah, that's terrifying. Well, yeah, I mean, because and especially because you know what's what happens when you meet somebody usually even if you meet them in person at the bar, you might exchange their information. Boom, you go right to their Instagram or right to their Facebook. You check yeah. out their stuff. And you think you know them. Like you, you have some sort of insight. And yeah, I mean, everybody stalks their, stalks their like, crush or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. but the thing is, is, like, it kind of, it can be off-putting, you know? Like, I don't know. That's another wrench in that whole, uh, in the spoke of that, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I know that the things I put on social media are certainly things that um, I'm cognizant of how they're going to reflect moving forward. And even this podcast, I'm putting this out into the world and, and I will say shit and fuck and all that, you know, I'm going to talk like a normal person, like, like a normal version of me does, but I go out into the public, into my business life and I'm dealing with people of very high expectations. So there's a part of me that's a little apprehensive even of this, um, because it is a, uh, it is a publicly shared thing. Um, how is this going to reflect? I'm trusting that my clients know me well enough to know that I'm a real person too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sure. that um, they they won't hold the fact that I said fuck against me. Yeah, you know. Um, sorry, I won't say that in front of them. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I'm it's gonna, a professional demeanor, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. How I am in my work world is different than I am in my personal yeah. life, and I don't I don't speak. And like that's that. almost more respectable. Like, there's something to say to that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be a straight like square all the time you know like if if i know a guy who's like killing it in the office or he's killing it in his job and then you know you might see him out somewhere and he's actually enjoying himself and you're like hey what's up hey bobby like didn't i wasn't expecting to see you here dude and then you guys are both kind of you you know you're both letting loose and you know obviously like don't get too too carried away with it but i mean that's more respectable than well yeah and you get to figure out that that's a real person there yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's like when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery store like what? Yeah. You're a real person? Yeah. Or, or with your generation, you, know, you, you see the teacher on the porn video and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. She like, likes sex, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Like, yeah, I don't, you know, when I was growing up, of course, you know, porn was relegated to, to VHS tapes, yeah. whereas now... Like trading like, cards? Yeah, like, <laughs> like Jesus, the, the, the shit that kids are so, you know... Yeah. yeah I've heard those stories about you know miss so-and-so the second grade or the or the junior high school teacher was you know she's yeah got exactly a video and oh my god and like could you imagine it's like it's almost like not even surprising these days you know mm. it's just like 
No, I'm not surprised by it anymore. No, it's just like, I'm, okay. I'm, 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 Word? What site? No, I'm, I'm, just, yeah, like, exactly. I'm just kidding. I'm entertained by the concept, <laughs> like, that that's possible, you yeah. know? Um, but, yeah, totally instinctual it's all instinct human instinct yeah so yeah figuring out that this person that you see as um something less than an individual but you know like they're sort of this thing that functions within this space Mm -hmm. is actually a person and you know outside of that space is really neat like you know um you know, well, yeah, he didn't. He wasn't a teacher. I know a guy by the name of John Massanelli. Okay. I knew him as John. Yeah. And all the kids around here know him as Mr. Mass because he's teaching. He taught Ian and Sydney both. Okay. They know him as Mr. Mass, but yeah. I know him as. And so, you know, when they found out that me and John were friends from college, they're yeah. like, really? No like, way. They're thinking yeah. of Mr. Mass as like this guy that's friends with my dad. How yeah. is that? You know. Um, the people are. Are you in, a teacher too? <laughs> yeah. In the end, regardless of their prefix or their suffix, um, they're still, they're still people. Yeah, it's cool. Like, to, well, I mean, that's also a thing too. Like, whenever you're, everybody starts going on their career path, and you know, some of your best friends do this, and some of them do that, and it's mm-hmm. like, whoa. I mean, it's cool. Also, whenever you kind of are like when you're younger, or I guess like what I've been going through the past like five years in my twenties, like I've seen so many different industries that like I did. You don't even think about how the world operates, but in, until you get out there and you see, like, there's a need for, like, when these big high-rises are getting built, like, somebody's got to come through and screw all the uh, the socket plates on, or the covers on, stuff like that. Like, you wouldn't even think about that when you're walking through the hospital and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's jobs. Millions every, jobs out there. Yeah. Every, none of that stuff happens on accident. It's no. all done. You know, it's all, very somebody planned. did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, so... Tell me, give me a um, a synopsis of the music. So, um, where'd it come from? So, what was the why, and what is it? What is it now? Um, okay, I'll start. In the, in the beginning, there was this group. I would say, because uh, I had two. Like I said, I had two older brothers that were my stepbrothers, and they had they were like probably, I think one was maybe eight years older than me. One was nine. So that's a pretty big gap whenever you're a kid and your brothers are into a lot more different stuff than you are at that point. But of course I wanted to be them. I want to be just like them. Yeah. So, uh, I remember one time my brother, he brought out, he brought the home this album and he's like, yeah, this, you know, Jake, this is his brother's album. And there was a group called Illi. Oh yeah. So it's all coming back to me now, kind of like, which is kind of like crazy. So there was this group called Illi and then, um, they were pretty big in Illinois. Like they, they were, uh, I think one of them was, one of their names was Foreplay, and then the other ones, the other one's name was like Two, Two something, and then they had, it was a group of two guys basically from Granite City that were rapping and stuff. Well, that got his younger brother to start rapping and making beats and stuff in uh, Staunton, and him and his friends started making some beats, and they were my brother's age, because they went to high school together. So then, uh, this was right at the time of MySpace, and I don't know if anybody remembers, but uh, back whenever you, when MySpace was a thing, like there used to be a personal account and then there was a music account. And on the music accounts, it was kind of like you had a music player, like everybody else had, but you could upload like your whole album or like three okay. or four of your singles and stuff. So, um, yeah, I remember just trying to connect to these these guys that were local, like rapping at the time. Like, what? There's rappers in in our town? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I can do that. And this was before any kid, like, any, all the kids had microphones and were rapping and, you know, Dad. before SoundCloud or any of the, any of that stuff. The only ex, uh, exposure to music I had was through MySpace 
and through you know MTV and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. to me, the MySpace rappers were just as big as the MTV rappers because that's all I knew. Like, you're a rapper. That was your exposure. Exactly. So um, that was when right around the time, like me and my friends, we like would get like a rock band microphone and stuff. We'd like plug it in USB into our computer, like make making like little beats over like i don't know like windows recorder and stuff like that yeah. like just over like whatever software or whatever we could do and it was just like i remember um i, I had this one song i was like sda ain't the hood but it ain't good I got 20 inch rims on my bike and then like That's i didn't know priceless. what i was saying but i was just like i don't know having fun with it and then yeah so i just kind of like that was just messing around whenever i was like, like probably seventh grade and then after then, I moved to Germany, and then, like, I had kind of gotten in. That's right around the time I was telling you, like, where I wanted to have, like, a MacBook and just kind of get into, like, creating stuff, like, digital content. So um, at the time, me and my best friend, uh, Logan Logan Miller, and my other best friend, David Vaughn, this was, like, right before I moved to Germany, and we were, like, making, beat, or making beats and recording in Logan's basement to that rock band mic. Then my parents decide, all right, we're going to move to Germany and stuff. So about... Six months later, I call Logan up. We're on, like, Skype or something. I'm in Germany. He's, he's here. I'm like, yeah, check out some of this new music I've been making, dude. Like he's, and he does the same exact thing because I'm so jealous that all my friends are here still in Stone. I bet, yeah. And they're, like, still, like, you know, they're getting into partying and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, like, I wish I, I was there. Like, I'm here by myself right now sitting in my room all the time. Like, I don't have any friends. They all speak German in my town. <laughs> and then, uh, so, yeah, I, like... I started recording just, I guess, based off of my boredom then, and I started taking it very seriously. And like, I started creating my own merchandise. I started creating um, like my own websites and stuff like that. And that's how I got into kind of graphic design, just based on my own needs. So, the crazy thing is, is so I get, I started like recording a few mixtapes and uh, I guess like EPs while I was there. I think I had three by the time I moved back from Germany. And um, when I come back. I get a me- an email. It was I was it was on the f- the plane ride back to St. Louis. As soon as I landed, I had this email. Weird enough, because I was trying to reach out to people before I came back and just sending people or sending emails out about like coming to your studio. Like I didn't even know what I was doing to be honest. So from departure to return, what, how old were you? Uh, I came back my sophomore. I was it was after my sophomore year in high school. So I was coming back as a junior then. Okay. So I moved when I was in eighth grade. Well, going into eighth grade, and so. I went to a new school there, and then the eighth grade and the high school were different, so I went to another new school. Dude, you come you come back here after being in Germany. Yeah. So, like, some people knew who you were because you were here before. You go to Germany for a few years. You come back from Germany rapping, and... So you're new, but you're old. Like, you had to be the, you had to be the talk of the school. Yeah, so, like, that was kind of my... Like, That's fun. That was kind of my plan. Like, I... Like, cause I, I, I would come back and one, I was the kid who moved to Germany. Like, you know, I, I still had all my friends here. So that was one thing. And then I would come back and visit, like just, you know, I'd be back for a week and then I would come through the school and like walk around and talk to people. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I kind of like tried to hype up my music at that point. And like, yeah. I knew what I was doing at that point. Like <laughs> my, my last mixtape was called, uh, not my last one, maybe the one before that. It's called Upperclassmen. So I was just like, I was coming back to Staunton. Yeah. I was going to be an upperclassman. I was finally going to be back home with like all my boys. And like, I was about to raise hell, basically. Nice. So the crazy thing was, is so I was emailing a few like people to try and like make any opportunities happen uh, whenever I was moving back my junior year, like right going into my junior year. And the guy who emailed me back was 
the guy from Illi. From Illi. Oh no kidding! And he was signed to So So Def Records with Jermaine Dupri as a as an A and R. So like he's messaging me. He's like, yeah, we're looking for artists in St. Louis right now. Like we've been living in Atlanta for the past like five or six years as a producing couple called the Fast Tracks. And then like, not, well, I guess a couple wouldn't be the word, but like a pair. And uh, yeah, so it was actually the guy who I started rapping from that emailed me and, and to do all this stuff. So I, I meet up with him, I go to their studio in St. Louis, and I record this song, Mellow, which actually, like, that was, like, one of the songs that people really was were digging back in the day. And, um... I had listened to it earlier, actually. Yeah, it's like, that's one of the ones I left up, for sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of was, I just be, built a relationship with Sean, um, and that's that's who it was, uh, from Eli, and, you know, he uh, he got me to work in this music studio where I was recording my own music there and I was making money recording other artists, kind of like learning the ins and outs of music. So, I don't know. It just kind of came around full circle. And the even crazier thing was is this is kind of uh, getting to like the end of the music thing. So this is probably seven to ten years in the making since all this had happened because I had graduated high school at this point. Yeah. um, uh, I was working at this music studio and everybody was making music like it wasn't cool to make music at that point anymore so I had a uh, I got into a really bad car accident as a lot of people people who know me know I uh, I was drinking and driving and I wrecked my car I fell asleep at the wheel and uh, I, whenever I, I fell asleep at the wheel and I got out of the car and this was on the highway and the, a car hit me oh my that was driving Jesus. by so you, sur- you survived the initial accident pretty well yeah. Enough that you could get out and walk. Apparently, I had broken ankles, so like I think I was—I don't really remember it because I, I was in a coma afterwards. So like all the medicine kind of erased my memory from the time. But yeah, so I think they told me I had broken ankles on the initial crash, and then like I walked into the road, and then the car hit me like in the rain. Which thank wow. God they stopped, and then like that was kind of the turning point for me because I was in the hospital for like a month, so I wasn't able to really like make music. I was trying to write stuff, but I was like not really in the mind frame to make to be writing songs and stuff i can't imagine your brain was working very well either no yeah exactly and like you're i'm on like pain meds and all this other stuff so just like i would try but it just wasn't there and then uh, at the time like i just i was getting out of the hospital i, w- I came home i was like on uh, i would have like occupational nurses and stuff coming like checking on me like doing therapy which i was good like i had a positive mind frame through all of it like it wasn't really like ever i knew that i did that did what i did to myself and mm-hmm. i needed to make it better so, like, at the time, I was like, all right, I need to crack down. Like, I need to do something that's making me money right now. Uh, I was partially paralyzed on the left side of my body. I, my left arm didn't work at all. So, like, that was part of it. I didn't, like, want to get on stage and be, like, different at that point. So, I just decided, like, I, I loved... One of the things that I really noticed I was good at with music was marketing and branding. And I was always doing my own graphic design. So, I knew that I, I knew what it took to manage things. And I knew what it took to, like, build this up and, like be behind the scenes of music, but I didn't necessarily think that I was like the front man at that point in my life anymore. So, uh, the f- Sean, again, he messages me after my car accident and stuff. Like we, we had had a relationship on and off throughout these time or throughout these years. And he, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm working for this, uh, this spirits importer in St. Louis, which is like a liquor company. Yeah. And they, de- they developed these five brands. Uh, one of them was like, uh, it's called Samagon. It was like a Russian, like a moonshine style thing. And then they huh. had two different vodkas and then another shooter. And um, he's like, yeah, I, want, I just wanted to know if you wanted a job with us being our junior graphic designer. Because, you know, we did music and you did all our graphics and stuff back then. And, yeah, you're getting out of the hospital and I know you need a job and all this. I was still living with my parents at the time. 
And uh, I'm like, hell yeah. So I, I joined this. I'm doing marketing and stuff for a liquor company at this point. I'm, I'm 20 years old. Uh, yeah, and I'm basically like just getting handed like handed stuff. I think that's out of the statute of limitations now, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just cool. Like I'm 20 years old. I'm being, I'm a junior graphic designer. Like, and I'm getting to tra- travel with my buddy. He's taking me to like, um, what's it called? Major brands, like a few like huge companies in Missouri. And major brands supplies all the alcohol in Missouri. So if you know about them, they're, they're every state's different. But yeah, so I'm getting the chance to like go in these factories, see how. Their print. I see. I went in the factory that prints all the stuff out for Macy's, like all of their um, ads and like oh, no all kidding. the stuff that goes in store. So I'm like seeing the ins and outs of how industries work and how marketing works. And I knew like that's what my real passion was was marketing and stuff. So once again, like came around full circle, like the music and Sean, like that. It all came from me liking his music. Like whenever I was like ten years or seven or ten years old in Staunton. So yeah. I know that's probably a lot to like take in, but no, I, I I like I like the idea of eventualities, like the idea that in order to get to this point, these other points had to be met, and there's five of them, ten of them, two hundred of them. Yeah, you like know it what keeps I mean? going. Like, yeah, you know, who like, knows what's what's like to happen? It all started with you liking these rappers when you're a kid, uh-huh. and and somehow along the way. You know, through music, through getting to know them, and actually getting to know them was kind of a long shot too, because they're in Atlanta at the time. Yeah, exactly. So when, like, I was just sending when you had that out. introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then eventually that ends up with um with you getting offered a job because yeah. you're in a, an accident and like. And don't get me wrong, like there was along the way, like I told the good parts, like I was getting screwed over left and right from people and, you know, like I was working at this, at a really shoddy studio. Somebody's trying to sign me to a record label at this point that has no business signing anybody to a record label. And luckily I, I had the, I had good family and stuff that was like, all right, well, let me, let's talk to, you know, my uncle who's like a lawyer and like get this ran through. And he basically told me like the contract was a sham, like don't do it. And at the time, like, it was kind of good timing because p- other people were making music, and it was, like, around the time when everybody was staying independent. So I yeah. was just like, okay, yeah. So luckily, I didn't really get into legal issues as far as that goes. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see the whole ish- the whole uh, journey of things. And, like, there's so many things that go wrong along the way. Like, and you're just like, man. Like, one time, a uh, little side story here. One time we met this guy who was recording. He came into our studio and was recording, and uh, he was doing a show in St. Louis that that night or the night after and you know like we met him and he's like yeah so you can go on tour with us we're gonna do a three-city tour on the east coast a thousand dollars up front and then you get paid like five hundred dollars each show along the way so like i raised all this money like i was like hell yeah like i did everything i could to raise this money in like three three days and then like i send it to him and then he's like yo oh, homie. No. he luckily i didn't get burned he sent it back to me but he's like yo homie just so you know like i think that they gave me the offer because they didn't think i was gonna make the money and like give it to him okay. so then they canceled on me and they're like yeah we're actually the tour got canceled and all that stuff but man he it's could. just like at the time i'm thinking like man like my whole life's over i'm never gonna be big and i'm never gonna do this but it's like Super defeated for a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get over it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> no kidding. It's fun. Holy cow. The things that you can get over. 
uh, same thing happened like with the liquor company. Eventually, like they went under and stopped paying all the employees and stuff. And like at the time, I was renting a house. Like I was out of my own at that point. Oh wow! And I'm just like, well, what the what the hell do I do now? Like the you bottom know, fell out. Yeah, and then you know I'm calling Sean because he was in the same situation as me. Like he wasn't getting paid either, and he's like, Kyle, like it's gonna be good, man. Like I'm telling you, I know it seems shitty, but we're gonna be good. And I'm like how like we're not getting paid what yeah you don't have any life experience probably at that age yeah. to draw from like um <laughs> at, at this stage of my life like i've got right now i have the most debt i've ever had yeah and i hate debt i don't like it yeah it's not a comfortable um, feeling and um and i'm as self-employed as i ever have been you know my my income relies primarily on my self-employment mm-hmm. my the business that i own and run um i've always sort of kept both you know both feet in different pools like self-employed and working as a hired gun for other companies yeah you do that sort of shit you always stay busy but you gotta have multiple sources yeah you're you're always stretched um so but you know i've i've had the bottom fall out enough times and i've landed on my feet enough times Mm -hmm. to know that it's gonna be fine you don't have a choice and even when it's not fine things change yeah you know what i mean if for some reason I, I can't make my mortgage payments mm-hmm. anymore, the bank takes everything from me, I'm, I'm still going to be alive. Yeah. I'll still, I still have people in my life. Worst who, things have happened to people. Worst things, way worse things Not to be a happened. dick, but, you know. Well, no, no. If you think that worse, worse things have not happened, you'd be a dick. To yeah. realize that worse things happen Damn. every second of the day to That's other people, um, holy shit, dude. That's yeah. what makes you a your person if, i mean isn't it like comforting to know that though totally i mean comfort yeah i guess in a in a self-indulgent way yeah, yeah. to know that you know, somebody else has got it out there worse than you do that like it helps keep shit in perspective for yourself yeah um how did you start your company if you don't mind me asking just off of um so uh i had worked i got i started in my industry july 1st of 2000 okay so it starts with um me and Jessica starting a family. Okay. And when we had a family, I take responsibility super serious. For sure, yeah. Um, if I take on an obligation, that's mine. I own it. And so um, I needed to make money for my family. She was working too. We were both working together to to make ends meet. Mm. I wasn't able to finish college. So I basically am essentially just short of a, a, having a junior in college education. Yeah. Like a... 14th grade level if you will um i wasn't able to continue pursuing that and i was super depressed defeated again um and i had to have a a come to jesus moment and i asked myself you know if i can't finish my degree if i can't go on to the career that that i dream of Mm -hmm. what can i do for the next 20 years and not want to kill myself yeah and like just for anybody who's listening like this is a time when nobody was like not going and finishing that like that was the path right like well, it yeah. wasn't normal to like just jump off and then yeah you know it's it's certainly more common even today to get a degree than not you yeah know? back then though um for me i was in my family going to be the first person to get a college education okay i was the smart one i so was really the capable like one all that sort of stuff i was supposed to be it for sure and um and it didn't happen and um and but I did know that I wanted to do something that was somehow fulfilling and something I could be good at. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't a big dude, so making a making a living as as a carpenter or something like that was just always going to be Busting super super tough, and I was going to hate my life. Yeah. 
um, because it's just always going to be just uh, working your bo- your own body, like you're yeah, paying with your body, paying paying with my physical being versus my brain. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to gravitate towards something that I could use my smarts in order to help me earn. And so um, I was always found music and and uh, electronics and technology sort of a, a hobby that I just I'd live in if I could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would have that stuff. Uh, regardless of of work and so like what happens if you actually get get to make a living doing that well that's working that's pretty okay yeah and so i did that and um so after a few years though uh, or a couple years of doing that for a company you see the holes in the way they're doing things and you think you can do it better and um and so i had customers who were really unhappy with the work that that company was doing yeah and they would ask me, well, can you fix this? Can yeah. you, I'll, I'll give you $50. Just come over and make it right. Okay, great. I would do those things. They would pay me. Um, maybe it wasn't the right thing to do by the employer, but then it was the wrong thing by the employer to leave the customers unhappy. Yeah, I was going to ask, were, like, were you trying to grow within that and they weren't giving you opportunity? Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Correct. So what exactly. Do do? Yeah. And so it was either make the customer happy and take their money or they're going to walk their business to somebody else yeah, anyway. I'll, I'll do it right. Yeah. yeah. And so I did that over and over and over again. At some point, um, um, when I left that company, um, for a better opportunity, well, it wasn't a better opportunity. I actually took a pretty significant pay cut, probably mm-hmm. about, probably about a 50 or a 40% pay cut Damn. to take a different opportunity to learn a different part of my business. Yeah, but you knew where it was going. Yeah, it was, I felt it was an investment and, and Jessica was working and she was making money. And so it looked like things would work out. Yeah. Um, and when I left that company, this was back before cell phones were common. Um, we had a, you know, a paper thing called a phone book (laughs) and people, people sought out my number and they called me at my home and were asking me to do X, Y, and Z for them. So that was, that was the genesis of the electronics guy, um, was just the fact that people recognized that my efforts were what made their purchase a positive one. Yeah. You were good at your building relationships with your clients and they didn't have any confidence. They could go back to that company and get satisfaction they knew they could go through me and get satisfaction so that's what they did and um one of those guys is i'm gonna i'm gonna name drop right now because he's famous outside of me um is the guy's name's mike isaacson okay mike is presently the executive producer for the muni in st louis yeah yeah and he was the very first of all my customers to spend any amount of money of significance with me i think um i won't mention the amount of money but it, it was more than it was more it than a thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. He was you, the first person to put confidence in me, mm-hmm. and he and I still, uh, like, I'm his guy. Yep. And I, I do everything, and and I, he and I have as close a relationship in terms of my customers as I have with anybody. When yeah. when I see him, we greet each other with a hug and not a handshake. It's yeah. great. Um, and uh, I got to watch Mike win the Tony Award for for um the big tony for the best um basically the 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 best play or the best um um product uh, broadway production yeah Yeah, he won the big one i got to watch him on tv receive the highest award in his business i know him yeah and it wasn't it was cool that i knew him yeah but it's but it was so it was so incredibly um it was such a great moment to see someone's dream 
happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I knew and Mike. you were touching. Yeah, like he's an associate at yeah. that point. So you know like you can do it. I, I, well, I didn't internalize it at all. This is one of those rare moments where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not being egotistical. Um, I'm, uh, I'm recognizing that I, I know Mike. Mm-hmm. And I know that he is very passionate about his business and what he does. And he is being recognized with the greatest award that, that a person can win in yeah. his business. I'm watching a man's dream come true. Yeah. What a fucking phenomenal thing to see. How far see. along was that in his career, would you say? Oh, God, probably 15 plus years, yeah, 20 exactly. years. I mean, I at that point, I had known him. It was probably 20 years or more because at that point, I had probably known him for 12 or 13, 14 years when he won the Tony. And I know he had been in the business quite a long time before I knew yeah. him. Like he was, um, rather when I met him, he was the executive producer of the Fox. Okay. So he's like putting together all the shows and stuff that's going along there. And correct. Yeah. He's, he's organizing the shows that come in and out of the Fox. Mm-hmm. Now that's a very different job than what he does at the Muni. At the yeah. Muni, that's all self-produced. Mm-hmm. They make their own sets. They make their own costumes. Yeah. They, all the actors are their own. Um, with the Fox, those are mostly Hired. traveling shows, yeah. shows that are going to other cities. They're just a venue. Yeah, and the Fox is basically a venue, and and um, I'm I'm not I, if Mike ever listens to this, I hope I'm not oversimplifying what he did with the Fox. Yeah, I'm I know that I am. Um, the things that he was doing was significant as far as I'm sure um, getting talent, bringing in the shows, attracting the shows, making Fox St. Louis a big enough deal that that big troops wanted to come through St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, huge shows there all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that legacy still lives on today and probably in large part from him. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that's the, the electronics guy started with people like him reaching out to me after I left um, High Five Full Fun, which is yeah. the name of the company, um, and, and I was working for somebody else. They, they wanted work to continue, and, and anybody who is... Well, now everybody's their own brand, right? So referrals are important, yeah. are important to everybody. So at the point you make one customer happy, hopefully they refer at least two people. Especially a client like that, yeah. Yeah, and then and then those two people refer two people. Then your one client now has turned into four income streams yeah, and so on and so forth. And, and so um, at some point, if, you're, if you follow that evolution you either have to turn over those clients to somebody else because you don't have time to do them or yeah. you have to do it yourself. And that's, I, I incorporated probably six years ago. Um, uh, it's prior to that, I was a sole proprietor. Yeah. And so I've been doing this owning my own business for probably 12, 13 years. I was going to say you didn't, you didn't have any, uh, interest in hiring on like having employees of your own. That's, I would love to. I would love to today. I would love to find somebody that I could trust to do that. Um, I I have real trust issues. Like I've, I've, I've bled for my customers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and they're, they're my, um, uh, my livelihood. Mm -hmm. Um, and anything anyone I would bring in is a direct reflection of me. Yeah. I mean, just the way you said it, you started it. I mean, you don't want the, you don't want it to start like flip flopping around, you know? Yeah, kind of. Um, and my customers trust me enough to know that I, that I wouldn't put them in a position to where they would get subpar work because I'm not doing it. Yeah. 
So I do have that benefit that when I do come in, because they trust me, they'll trust, you know, whoever by extension comes along. For sure. Um, but some of my clients are really influential, really like the heavy hitters in St. Louis. And there's real liability issues. Yeah. You know, uh, I've, I've been working um, where there are six-figure watches sitting right there yeah exactly and, it's you know just I mean? like, and so who do you who do you trust to walk through homes and see the most personal spaces yeah that and not be tempted and you know what I mean? not be tempted to not have too loose a lips yeah. to not you know all sorts of oh, stuff oh yeah damn yeah because you don't want them just talking yeah setup happens and yeah shit. taking selfies and yeah. you know um i've had one person where you know in this space and they're taking a selfie and sending it to their friends i'm like look this is somebody like chill this yeah. is somebody's private space you need to be professional yeah this is somebody's private space there are certain places where you can do that mm-hmm. and there's certain places where you can't i need you to be aware of it you yeah, know what for I mean? sure. so there's all sorts of little things like that theoretically i'd love to hire somebody i'd love to delegate some of the some of the more labor-intensive aspects of what i do to somebody yeah. else um I pray I'll get there sometime. It's just um, hard with like where you're at and like on site and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and you know nobody can quality control quite like you can. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just sucks. Yeah, whenever I mean it's a good problem to have the fact that your client you have too much work or you know that's kind of where I am right now. Uh, I like this past year I started a company with uh, one with two partners of mine. We have a graphic design agency now, so that's kind of where everything has kind of evolved into. Like now I have this company called Mad Hatter Creatives and we manage social media for other businesses around like the St. Louis area and all over. So like our main thing is just doing like month to month campaigns and designs for, uh, you know, like we kind of like operate one month in advance and then we like do uh, Facebook ads and all of that. But like that's kind of the same thing. Like I'm, I'm young, I'm 25 and I have like, we just hired our first employee, which is somebody who I know. And it's like hard because I, I don't really like I'm trying to be a good leader but I, I have this thing where like I try and push people a little bit too hard and it's you can't really do that with your employees either yeah so like what did do you have any like advice on that so um actual functional advice is you know I did a lot of coaching which mm-hmm. you may or may not be okay familiar yeah with. yeah so um you'll figure out very quickly who you can who you can push and who you can't yeah um and unfortunately that's part of man management you have to figure out what a person's capable of, how hard you can push them, and when to ask them. And what motivates them, and yeah. Yeah, motivates them. And as an employee, as an employer, you can't worry about every single little motivator for a person or something that will turn them off. Mm-hmm. In the end, there are jobs that need to be done, and so that's what they're there for. Yeah. Um, I, I know for me, that's the mindset that people like myself and people in my generation tend to have yeah not all the time but hopefully more times than not i hear the complaint with the with millennials and the younger generation that um there's a sense of entitlement and there's um i don't have a whole lot of experience with it but you know that's because i don't have a bunch of people beneath me i've worked with quite a few but so um the way that I plan to address that issue when I get to the point of actually trusting somebody enough to employ them yeah. is that I feel like people have to have skin in the game. At first, it's a paycheck yeah. and a vision. Um, hopefully, you have a vision that you're selling 
to your employee mm-hmm. um, something they can believe in. If they're just there for a paycheck, yeah. then I would write down a list of the things you want them to do, hand that to them so that you have a very clear agreement that this is what I need done. This is what it's going to take for you to get a paycheck. Yeah. One of the things that, like, so I've, I, not going to college ever, like, I kind of, you know, you, you heard my story a little bit. Like, I've worked for a lot of startup companies along the way and stuff. And like I said, you know, I was sold that dream too. So I'm trying to be, like, in the middle of not not trying to sell him a dream, but also, like, be, like being transparent with him and letting them know what our plans are as a company and, like, with mm-hmm. the growth and what his growth is within the company because we we're so new. Um but yeah, like I don't want to like I'm, I don't want to be like a, sl- a sleazeball in it because like I feel like well, some of the guys who I've dealt with along the way have been so sleazy, like trying to get me to do some shit. And it's if like, if you're if you're selling him the vision, if you don't believe that vision, yeah. that makes you a sleazeball. But if you genuinely believe the vision and you can see a path forward, okay, I would feel like you're still being honest. Yeah, and if things don't work out, it didn't work out for me either. Type yeah, of thing, which yeah, they are gonna and, work out. It's gonna and and. It's important. I mean, okay, if you're working, you're a grown-up. Yeah. And you should realize that not every not everything you're involved in is, is the result of um, unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. Sometimes... There's a lot of fucking hard work out there. Yeah, exactly. And, and we get to have fun most of the time, so... And that's... And that, that, that is the equation, right? Hard... Enough sustained hard work... Um, supporting a good idea mm-hmm. is the recipe for success in yeah. my in my opinion from what I've seen and from what I've lived um, I know that if I continue doing what I do uh, and I work hard and I produce a good product mm-hmm. that that will be recognized by my clients and they will they will send somebody else my way and yeah. they will return their business to me as well like I I've experienced it enough to have full confidence that yeah. that's how the equation works that that those efforts are and you don't rewarded. sell anything right you just service you just do service or well, i sell products okay i sell products and services yeah. and and so, so a, like add-on and stuff like that and yeah so that. if somebody's building a house they they want a network or an audio system or yeah whatever you would put just design it. their whole entertainment i'll stuff. design it wire it install it yeah program it like you know you saw me walking around mm-hmm. with this ipad and turning stuff on and off that's For sure that's what i do um and so if you believe the vision, I don't think that there's anything sleazy about selling okay. it. If you don't believe the vision, then you should probably tread water lightly and just give the guy a job. Um, but, I mean, yeah, if you don't believe it, how are they? Yeah, I mean, it, the one thing that has been good is, like, bringing on an employee. It's like bring, there's a need for, like, any more money then and, like, just driving the company and, like, motivating because you don't want, like before whenever it was just me and my partners I'd be like alright so what do you want to do today like you, you trying to meet up at our office or do you want to like stay at home alright yeah like we just go over everything on the phone no, still getting the work done but I mean you know just having like an extra motivator there like alright let's go to the office every fucking day like let's get shit done like even if we don't have shit to do let's go f- search for some more clients and get more clients on, on our plate like there's there's this um, concept that I've had in my head now for a little while that if Success is the goal. Mm-hmm. Whatever you, whatever success means to you, there is theoretically a requisite amount of effort between you and yeah. achieving that goal. However fucking long you spend to get from where you are to get through that rec- requisite effort to get to the goal yeah. is up to you. It's like a, you can what do comes it hard or what comes easy like doesn't stay or doesn't last. Yeah, so so let's just put it in plain terms. If there's 5000 hours worth of effort to be gone through, 
before you get to where you know if you could you if you had a crystal ball and you could ask you know or if you yeah, had the yeah. magic mirror you say how many hours before Please. i reach my goal it says five thousand hours okay fine. and you'd be like okay all right you can decide to do that five thousand hours in a year well, I don't, I don't know if that math works. Maybe two. Oh, okay. Yeah, or you could saying. do it in ten. Yeah, it's depending like a on shovel. how much. You gotta how shovel much, the pile out. Exactly. How much yeah. effort do you want to put in? Okay. Um, and I think that that time, Damn. that theoretical timeline, is true. That's a very good way to look at things. Yeah. You know, there's there's some people who like they have. Let's see if you've made it into a metaphor of a rock pile, and there's some people who just scoop one pile out that rock off that thing every day, and like their pile doesn't even get get low until they get old, type of thing. Yeah, and and. Some piles you have to approach that way. Some some castles are built one brick at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. It, sometimes it's just about um, consistent, sustainable effort. Um, different people work differently. Some people um, are able to just kill themselves. Yeah. Just balls to no the walls. Life. No. Super long periods of time, and 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 their passion for what they're doing sustains them. Yeah, they're happy with it. Yeah. Know? I mean the. I could reference somebody now that, like, she spent the, from the time she graduated till now, she's worked mm-hmm. 10, 12, 14 hours, five, six, seven days a week consistently. Yeah. She's, she's reached a very she's high level of it. success. Yeah. Right? That was not accidental. Yeah. There's a direct correlation between success an input so that's i i sort of learned that after going through quite a few big projects to where you know the i just got pen to paper and i know in order to get that final payout that final check where all my profit lies yeah that i've got to climb this mountain of shit and and figure out all these things mm-hmm. and take and put it all together and i know that's at least six months out you gotta be resilient eight months out a year out and it's just a matter of putting your head down and putting in the time, putting in the time, mm. putting in the time. And, and some of it's really monotonous because, you know, not all of it is flashy. Not all no, of it is, yeah. is exciting. Some of it's just plain work. Most of it isn't, you know? Yeah. Some of it's just plain work. And yeah. so if you think about it in terms of there's this goal out there and sometimes changing paths resets that distance. Yeah. So, um, you know. If you got X number of hours in front of you, how long is it going to take? So when you're talking about the, the internal dialogue, do I go into the office or not? If you can be effective at home and you don't waste 45 minutes of your day commuting, yeah. then do it at home. If, but if being at home means you get easily distracted yeah. and you don't, you're not very productive, then like, you might need that office time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I feel that it's, like, it's hard being human. You know, there's some, <laughs> like every scenario is different too, you know, but yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's just a matter of being self, like the real underlying factor is having self-control and being self-driven and, you know, like it's like knowing when, whenever you got to get shit done, it's time to get shit done and not being distracted. It's hard for me right now too, with like being 25 and, uh, like I'm, I'm very business oriented. Like I have a business mindset. I've kind of been this way for the past like 10 years. If you haven't obviously caught on to that, but like my friends aren't like that necessarily. And, like, you try and, like, you know, when you're trying to do some, something and, then like, people that are pulling you to do other things or, like, not necessarily career path-wise, but, you know what I mean, just distractions and, like, yeah. you know, it's, like, at what point do you have any advice as far as that goes? Is like, um... Well, that's tough, man, having because... Having fun and, you know, like... Ooh. 
Yeah. Um, so not that this, you're my therapist or anything. No, no, you know? well, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a well-trained monkey, bro. Um, th- what I don't have great experience with this. I live in Staunton. Yeah. I've got a lot of people that I'm friends with that, that I care about mm-hmm. a lot. Like they're good friends. Um, not too many. I don't feel like too many people get me. Okay. Um, so I feel that. Yeah. Um, so I actually find it easier to relate to somebody that's half my age you know, sitting across from me sometimes than, than somebody who is my age mm-hmm. and has a family and career and all that stuff, just like I have, you know. Um, but life is easiest when you surround yourself with people who are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be the difference between, well, from a cycling standpoint, being in the right gear or the wrong gear. Yeah, okay. You know, sometimes when you're out, I and fix you though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just then you have a, then you have being at the right speed or the or the wrong. I'm speed. always in the wrong gear. Yeah, basically. exactly. <laughs> um, but when you're out on the bike and and you're cruising along and you're going a certain speed with a certain amount of resistance, you could go up a gear and and accept more resistance, or mm-hmm. you could go down a gear and have less resistance. Okay. Um, but then between those two gears sits the gear that just is right and sometimes being with certain people is that way yeah um at your age um you're learning that there are a lot of different types of people out there when you're in oh, high school sure. everybody's very similar because they have to con- yeah because you all are doing the same thing for sure now yeah. you guys are out doing your own god, thing yeah god knows what <laughs> yeah and and some people I, I imagine you probably have some friends who like to gamble at this point. Yeah, you know, be- betters and you know people that are betting on sports yeah, and shit. Like yeah, that. you got you got some friends that have went down a heavy drug road. Mm-hmm. You got some friends who have been down an alcohol road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've got friends who have started just the settled down married life, working in the factory. Yeah, different strokes which, for different that's folks. That's also comforting too. It's like I felt like you know, when, whenever I was in high school, which I guess it's a good feeling to instill in, in a younger person. It's like I, I always felt like there was a huge like something like it was way, way, way down the road, or like I always got to do this. But like whenever I kind of separated myself from people and like moved to the city, like to be honest, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, a good mindset to have. But like I love, I want my business to grow and I want to keep getting better. But I, I'm happy like living in a smaller apartment right now for the next, because I got out of a relationship recently too, so that might be why. But I'll just ride my bike around, you know, go get some coffee, you know, hang out with my dog, mm-hmm. just hang out and like, I don't think that I have to like necessarily like work for this crazy angle at this point in my life. Like I could just operate the way I'm operating. Yeah. Which is, maybe that's just me right now because I know like, I don't want to do this for the next 10 or 20 years type of thing probably, but you know, for right now, I'm good. Yeah, and that's that's a really fantastic place to be. Like even me right now, I'm moving towards yeah a similar existence. Yeah, you like know, you're talking about like you know getting rid of the house. And yeah, winding down my debt mm-hmm. to where I'm spending my time more of my time doing the things I want yeah. versus the things I have to do. For sure, I've been doing the have to thing for 25 years. Yeah, now. exactly. Um, and I'm I'm ready. Like I enjoy coaching. I'd love to be able to spend more time coaching. Yeah. Um, I like doing what I do, but I'd also, I really like this podcasting thing. Yeah. Um, it's phenomenal to, to sit down and have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, you know, have the opportunity to do that. And, and, um, as well as like just something like skateboarding, going out and, and spending a day, you know, 
with the camera yeah. or, or there's actually a, 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 another little hobby that I've wanted to start and I've not, I've only vocalized this to Ian. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is the, the world premiere of this idea short of my son hearing it Ooh. is, um, you know how, um, there are cover bands. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. super common, right? I think it would be so much fun to find people who like to act and do covers of famous scenes. Yeah, like what we do with your friends when you're just like acting out something. Like, you yeah. don't know that? You don't know that? Are you but but actually, me? with with video recording equipment being so easy to come by now, yeah. and YouTube being out there, to uh-huh. be able to to recreate a Seinfeld Kramer like scene. Like a skit, yeah. Yeah, how fucking it would, it would fun bring would light, that be? You know? Because there's a lot of people who don't necessarily know stuff like that, or like... I don't know. So it might be received like somebody. You know how it is like whenever someone does a cover, and then there's like somebody who's a fan of that song, like the original. And they're like, oh, yeah, they'll oh, shit on it. They. Yeah, they'll but shit no, on it. But no, I mean it's cool because it actually sheds light on other stuff. That's a good idea. It, it would be super fun to to recreate those moments. And and if you're an actor, which I'm not, um, but if you're an actor or an actress, yeah. it would also give you an opportunity to show off your acting chops. Exactly. Yeah. And and I've, put I've, that out there. Have you ever came across like an actor's uh, YouTube page? On, like it's that might be a weird thing to say, but like sometimes I'll see somebody on YouTube and you'll go to their thing, and like they'll have like uh, just like dialogues that they have or a monologue I should say, and then it's just them like talking to the camera and like they have a bunch of different styles of stuff they do, so they're using that as their portfolio to show like their yeah, their stuff. so they could do something like that, you know? Yeah, I think it would be a blast just to to do that. I also, um, the next place I the next place I live after this place, I really want to have like a gourmet kitchen. Yeah, and some sort That'd of that'd be awesome. I love some, some sort of a space where I can invite 10, 15 people mm-hmm. into and be able to put on a meal once a month. Put out to my friends. Okay, guys, the cover tonight's gonna be thirty dollars per yeah. person, and we're going to eat this, this, and this. Like, put out a really gourmet meal. Yeah, like and and whatever it costs is what people pay. I don't want to yeah. make profit on it, but I want to be able to excuse me, bring some like really, really incredible meal that's hard to come by. Yeah. And and do something super Just gourmet and give it to, to my it. friends. Yeah. Yeah. And and be able to give it to my friends. Yeah. Share my passion with them. Is there any like real a uh, real estate around here that's like real open like loft style floor plan or not really? Uh well, you know, all these buildings that are owned here, yeah. they have all those big second Up you top. know, those those second story spaces, yeah. but they're either apartments or like roosters. Roosters has a big empty open space up there, but he doesn't want to put anybody up there because it's um, because who wants to live above a bar? Exactly. Right? Yeah. He leaves it. He leaves it um, basically empty. And same thing's true of like the furniture store. Like I've been up above those. Like yeah, Russell. and and it's actually a really really dope, incredible space. Yeah. Incredible space. There's all sorts. Of, they've got all sorts of um, glass block up there. Yeah, the light is Next amazing. Story. Yeah, it looks like a downtown loft up there. Yeah, that's what it I was thinking. Wouldn't take a whole lot of effort. Um, and plus, you probably want that like raw exposed look a little bit, you know? I know I like it personally. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying like you would probably want that, so it's not much work to happen, you know. And we're back. This uh, software paused. I think um, think my Jedi mind tricks aren't working. Yeah, the quite conversation right. got too hot for it. Right. <laughs> um, that's usually not a threat. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, we've talked some hobbies. What is? Um, I'm really interested. You're telling me about graphic design, all that sort of stuff. What? 
art is clearly an important part of yeah of what you do like tell me about your it almost feels like like you're living life almost in an artistic way yeah for sure uh i think like so that employee that i recently had he kind of brought things into like a perspective for me and he was talking to me about like titles and it made me think about like whenever i was a student i guess i could say like that's what I was so caught up on, like giving myself a title about like, what am I? Am I a photographer? Am I a designer? Like, what do I want to be? But then I, whenever I started to expose myself to like artists and how things were working, like creative people work, I realized like that's all just a small part of you under the, uh, under the artist title and stuff. So like, yeah, I did music and stuff like that. I still know how to produce music and record music and stuff like that. It's just like a skill that I picked up along the way and stuff like that. And then same with design, like, um, like I would consider that like more of a digital art type of thing, but you know the music and the digital art all fall under the total artist umbrella, which, as far as hobby goes, like those two things are well, I guess more digital art and design is more like something I do for a job now. So I don't really look at that as a hobby too much anymore because I honestly like more manage things at that point. Mm-hmm. So now as a hobby, I I paint a lot, and then you know I do murals and stuff like that for businesses in St. Louis, and I've done like really like there's a business in St. Louis called the Selfie Room where people can go there and you pay like uh, on a time basis and then they have like these scenes that were set up there so like yeah I like to paint murals for clients and stuff like that and then businesses and uh, like stuff that really like makes an impact on the community because I don't know like that's more of just a hobby of mine like but whenever I'm painting something it's just like you can just shut out the rest of the world and it's so like um, the thing that I like about doing murals is because like when you're doing a big job like that, there's so much management and like behind the scenes stuff that you have to do and planning and then you get to do it and then you're actually working it out. It's a lot of hard work. Probably not like most of it's not fun when you're doing it, but then the end result, it's just like there in front of everybody. So aside from the murals and all that, so I, I have like a pretty, my house is basically just like an art studio kind of. So like I'll be doing like canvases and stuff like that. And, um, I like to just give a lot of art away for free to people because like it's cool to like walk in somebody's house and be like oh what the heck I don't even remember doing that last year when did I do that and just kind of like putting my footprint into the world and I realized you know it's cool to see people that are expressing themselves and you share each other's passions and it's not about ego or like about a title or about trying to impress somebody like I follow a lot of artists on Instagram nowadays and it's just like everybody's supporting one another like if you mm-hmm. post something you'll have people uh, message you about trying to buy it or trying to trade you some of their art for it and since i've since i've been living like that honestly like i've been pretty carefree and pretty happy i don't know if that's reckless to think that way but well i mean i don't think you can spend too much time questioning something that makes you feel good like that yeah you're not hurting anybody dude yeah you know what i mean if you're pleasure comes from somebody else's pain you should question that true but if your pleasure comes from adding value and pleasure to other people's life dude you fucking run with that shit thank you, you do that as long as possible i think thank you um, yeah i mean that's that's good to hear because i don't know like i felt like i spent a lot of time like stressing about stuff like and being maybe it's maybe it was me getting hit by a car or maybe it's like you know kind of like realizing that anything can happen and just like being happy and stuff but i just like I don't know. Like, I, I think a lot of people probably have this, like, where they feel like they need to, like, get out and go somewhere, which I, I got lucky enough to get out and go somewhere whenever I was a kid and realize, like, that necessarily isn't the answer either, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, 
just do your thing. Always just do your thing. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a phenomenal message. I mean, Ian's 18 and I've been, you know, he's faced with college and yeah. career and all that stuff right now. Like it's a, he feels like it's a real crossroads point in his life. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him understand that it's, it's not. It's yeah. Like you think at that it's, moment, like, you know, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, if you, if there's some passion pulling you in a particular direction, mm-hmm. you go ahead and chase that for sure. And in lieu of passion, get a degree. Yeah. You know, that's sort of what I've been drilling into him and, and go get a job for sure. You'll quickly figure out what you like and don't like when yeah. you do things when you're forced to do things you don't care about. Yeah, I'll say like I I never really wanted to be a, go to school or get like a formal education like that. And I'm lucky that my parents really didn't push me like too hard cuz I think that they didn't want to waste the money cuz they knew I probably wouldn't finish. But I will say anybody that thinks that that's going to that they're going to do that, you better be ready to work your ass off and be burned about 100,000 times and learn yeah. everything the hard way because I mean, you're going to be very experienced and you're going to, you know, be wiser in the end, but it's not easy. It's, it's almost easier to, you know, just go put in your time. And yeah. There's, um, there's an entrepreneur out there at this point. I don't, I don't know if you can call him an entrepreneur cause he's very well established. Mm-hmm. His name's Andy Frisella. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And he started supplement superstores and I remember listening to his podcast called the MF CEO and there's this one episode, um, where they're talking about what it takes to become successful and one of the other guys said you know yeah it's probably just going to take a lot of struggle and he's like yeah like if you want to make a pie um you got to put all the ingredients up in there and to make that pie come out you know maybe that pie is going to take a huge motherfucking scoop of struggle yeah and you know that's how he talks yeah know. one of the huge ingredients and i don't think that that's you know, entrepreneur is different. Yeah. It's not unique of entrepreneurship. I know that, you know, if you're going to become a doctor, there's a huge amount of struggle involved in getting through med school and then getting through your residency and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So pick your poison. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and don't but, be a bitch about it and don't expect it to be <laughs> fucking easy, man. Yeah, Some no days offense, will be but... easy. Some days will be like a walk in the park. Other days are going to be really fucking hard. Yeah. And, um, and you just have to get through it and, and that just makes you better. makes you stronger. For that sure. sort of shit. Um, I mean, the, the cool thing is, is like, another cliche, what do you know? But like, you don't remember the easy shit. Like, the easy shit just slides by in life. Mm-hmm. The, 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 like, there's been moments, like, whenever, like I said, you know, everything's going wrong. You know, no, the floor dropped out, I think, is the, the phrase that you use. Like, and then you, you remember them, you look back on them, you're like, man, I thought I was never going to get out of that. Like, I'm yeah. so, let's laugh about it now. Right? It gives you a great sense of perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it's cool. So, I've got this other little, um, I've got these two little concepts that, that I live with on the daily. Mm-hmm. One is the life prism. Okay. You know what a prism is, right? Yeah. Piece of glass shine through light through it and, and you know, the, yeah, it breaks up the light. Right. Particles. We see, I believe that we, each one of us have our own u- unique individual prism. Okay. And that as from the time that we're babies, we start off with a very, you know, to some degree, some sort of similar prism. Yeah. Um, but then as we grow up and we go through experiences, that prism gets shaped over and over and over again and no two prisms are the same okay the way i see the world is formed from my experiences my okay. prism so we're looking through the prism we're not necessarily correct okay. correct it's almost like the prism is our our goggles yeah we see the, and and my prism is different from yours yeah it's we um, all had our own experiences yeah. And, yeah and i think it's super important that we recognize that in mm-hmm. one another that that's you know 
just because I've lived through something doesn't necessarily mean that they get why it's important to me. Yeah. That's what I love about doing the sit down is, you know, learning about the fact that you're raised by, you know, your stepdad and, and you moved to Germany. Yeah. You had a fucking car hit you. Yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, like, that's yeah, crazy, it's man. Life. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah you, and then same for you, like just learning about like life experiences and stuff. And like you, like whenever you're younger and learning about stuff that like is going wrong and then people are telling you like, dude, but like, listen, man, like that's just life. Like, yeah, like I said, it, it's comforting, you know? Yeah. And then if, and then the other, the other way I look at life is in terms of nature. Yeah. Um, uh, the universe, nature in general, like, they don't give two fucks. Yeah. It's going to keep on, keep yeah, it on. It is going to, and, and whether you believe in God uh-huh. or, or if you believe in the theory of attraction. Yeah. Or, or the universe is in control of everything. There is no, there is no sense of fair or unfair. Yeah. There, there just is. And it so there, there, there aren't any mistakes. The mm. universe doesn't make a mistake. No, yeah. God doesn't make a mistake. Yeah, it's just like that's that's turning a situation into something binary. It's that, your perception. Yeah, it's human perception. We're putting shit in the box again yeah, and making it worse. And for us. and so I do think sometimes the imperfection situations is how we address hardship. Yeah, you know, um, I went through a, a breakup. Post marriage, I was seeing this person. I, she and I got super close. Mm-hmm. First time I got close to anybody since being married, yeah. right? Like, so we're talking like this. The intensity of emotions was like being a fourteen-year-old again, yeah. right? And I'm in my forties, and you're like, fuck. And and I had to break it off because it was unhealthy, and and I was devastated. And I'm sitting down on a on a park bench, um, and I look over at this tree, and there's a branch, like you know shit grows towards the sun generally yeah. speaking right in regards to plants but there was this one branch that was just hanging down all cockeyed and i thought man that's really fucked up and then i thought <laughs> wait a minute god didn't god didn't make a mistake there he wanted it to be like that yeah and if you think think in terms of the universe like the universe didn't make a mistake that's just how it is yeah so what makes me think that what I'm going through right now is a mistake? Yeah, like why or am I something? special? Yeah, yeah, like there are no mistakes. Yeah. There's only how we react to hardship that we Damn. can really fuck up stuff. Yeah, exactly. So those are a couple of little pieces of like this whole how to do life thing that yeah. that I spend time thinking about. You um, really do create that, like your own world that you're living in. Yeah, Jesus, dude. Like you ever seen somebody walking <laughs> on the street, walking like cuckoo, cuckoo, like what the, I wish I was on with their own type of thing. It's like, yeah, dude. But they're having, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, I kind of. I mean, I don't know of, if, if this is like your thing, but like that's like this, like one thing, like the psychedelic mindset, like the ego death kills. It's like just understanding. It's like you don't have any control over any of this stuff. Like, Yeah, I, I, I actually... I probably will never do um, DMT or ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, but I do really, really like the idea of the ego killing aspect of, yeah. of having lived through that experience. Um, uh, I, I do like the net result. I definitely am not the type of guy who sure. who wants to dive into Absolutely. doing that. Um, but that's totally totally true i just totally like, buy into that but then like you know it, like i said there's the flip side like ego is positive and negative you know it does drive you to be to get better it makes you not just be a piece of shit your whole life you know like you you do have to like be hard on yourself you know like that's that's natural so yeah i i do wish i could 
I could shut it off sometimes. Though. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like from the way you said you're describing it, it's like, man, you're just thinking about it too much. It's fucking exhausting. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's exhausting. That's why I like skateboarding. That's yeah. why I like coaching. Keeps you um, occupied. Yeah, there's things that you can do, like what you're talking about when you're painting. Yeah. Where just everything, everything just shuts off. Yeah, you're just like so. But it's the same thing. Like I'm so occupied that it's you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Don't have time to think about other stuff. One thing I'll say, like that I've kind of come to starting to learn is like it seems like what you're saying like with coaching and stuff like really like the only thing that makes you like feel good in life is really like helping other people and stuff so it's mm-hmm. like whenever you're like able to watch somebody grow and like the way i can tell like sometimes my men- my business mentor like he helps me with a lot of stuff and i'm like why are you doing this dude and then like he's telling me all his stories and stuff like he's gone through a lot of shit and I'm, i realize like it it means something to like see that i'm actually like getting better whenever he's helping me along my way and it's mm-hmm. like now that I have like a younger person along, like I can help them, and like, it's just cool because you know you're not putting so much accountability in it, but you also are like you're putting your whole th- your whole self into it. Yeah, it's a, it's also a, the feast versus famine mindset. Okay. You know, you, you you don't you're imparting you're imparting what you know to help the person next to you, and okay, when you yeah. do that, you both grow at the same. You know, you both yeah. get growth. Um, Whereas the the famine mentality is is I gotta keep all this information in my I have to keep this all to myself yeah because you know then he might get better than me and then I'm gonna have less and yeah. then he's gonna have more and that's the famine man okay. mindset. Whereas today, I've always heard that, but I didn't. yeah, today I think we've really moved. A lot of us have moved into a feast mentality to where we everybody let's raise everybody up and see where we can go. Yeah, you know, let's see how high we can take it. Um, um, very hopefully, um, from a societal standpoint, we can get there. Society, you know, like what's happened, and yeah, what's going on in our country right now is a, f- a famine mentality. Yeah, you know, um, I would love to see an initiative that brings um, more more business and more revenue to underprivileged towns and people. Yeah, of both races, like our little towns, like this. Like, this is a gem, I think. Yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff to be had here, but I, I think that it's people not letting the right businesses in, right? Yeah, well... Or the big but, businesses I in. mean, how do you... Who's coming here to open a business? Well, I mean, I've heard that big businesses wanted to open up here, and they didn't let them in, and that's going to well, draw other people in. Yeah, CVS got in, which was a surprise, and yeah. then... But then... Like, McDonald's was trying to before they did it, before they put the one off there on 55 and stuff, but, like... I've heard that too. I mean, I get it. You think, you know, it does draw resources from the town, but it also brings resources too. Like, yeah. You, that's feast and famine. Kind yeah. Of, you know, uh, like we're not letting anybody in because we have to keep all of our, all our customers to ourselves. Meanwhile, everybody's driving 30 minutes away to go grocery shopping. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I buy as much from the local grocery as I yeah. can. I buy all my fresh food. Yeah. Meats and veggies, I buy pretty much here. Yeah. Um, the harder to get veggies, I buy over in St. Louis because they're available there and they're not available mm-hmm. here. Um, but, um, anything that has any sort of shelf life, I don't buy here. Yeah. It costs almost twice as much. Yeah. Be, you know, of um, so, uh, I mean, I do miss the, uh, com- communal aspect of like being in a smaller town though, you know, like you really feel like everybody's kind of supporting each other, but you know, you know, the, the, the Bobby version, I, I imagine I'm probably, probably going on to version like three or version four point, at this point. Yeah, 3.5. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is considering an, an existence um, over in like Tower Grove. Yeah. Hey, um, come on Tower Grove over, East, Tower Grove West, yeah. somewhere 
you know, that Tower Grove area I fucking love. It's cool, man. It's I, it's very diverse too. Like uh, on the other side of Tower Grove Park is like right between like Tower Grove and Gravoy, like behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it'd be be like behind. Uh, Are you talking about the south side or no, north side? On the south, uh, south side of Tower Grove. Okay. Yeah. So like right there, like it's so beautiful in that little neighborhood. That's dude. That's, I Amsterdam Tavern. Yeah. Yep. I, I go there for soccer. Yeah. Uh, a lot. They have the matches on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am part of a run club. Uh huh. Every Tuesday. Well, now that COVID is drawn to an end, I hope that we get to start doing them again. But every yeah. Tuesday at six o'clock, we would meet for um, Happy's Run Club. So would you just do that on your way back from work, or would you just come up to do it and stuff? Um, if I wasn't scheduled, I would, I would drive over, especially yeah. with the Tesla now, you yeah, know, it doesn't, sure. it doesn't really cost me anything. It just costs me time to go over there. Yeah. So I've driven over there just for the run and we do a 5k every Tuesday. I mean, it's not a bad drive. No, it's not. And, and like when you think about a run club, oh yeah, like two or three people show up. No, no. Yeah. The, big, no. the group rides and runs in St. Louis are big. Like, yeah. There's in the winter time yeah. when it was 30 fucking degrees and raining, we still had 30 people. Yeah. It's like, you know what damn. I mean? In the summertime. That's the accountability. You know, like yeah. everybody's like wants to see each other and have fun and do it. It's like yeah. that stuff motivates you. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the biggest runs I've, I've been involved in, you know, we had 50 or 60 people. Yeah. On a fucking Tuesday at six. You know, um, so I, 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 I'll have to look, fucking look out for you guys then. <laughs> yeah. I adore Tower Grove, man. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a community and it's unique and it's young enough, but not too young. Yeah. Like it, it's, I mean, I think even like some of the older crowds in St. Louis is like, they're more hip and hip to the young people and stuff too. Like, you know what I mean? Cause it's so mixed and everybody intermingles, but I kind of feel like that's why I fit. Yeah, exactly, you know? You know like, like, everybody's in... You're forced to. Like, you live in the same, like, little uh, mm-hmm. jambalaya pot, I guess you could say. Yeah, and generally speaking, people are pretty accepting of other people. Yeah. You know? And not that people in Staunton are, but, you know, here, yeah. everybody is pretty damn similar to one another. Yeah, well, because there's other shit to worry about. Yeah, yeah. And and I do enjoy going and having a drink every now and then, but, yeah. like, I'm not I'm not the guy who's going to go to the bar every weekend. No, no, yeah. That was you know? like I moved to I moved to the Grove whenever I first moved there and then like I was like why did I move here? Like I don't even go out like that. Like, yeah. I'm, all I can do is hear the music on the street all the time. Like I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, man. What so you live do you live there now? Uh I live like not too far from there, but just in like a in a small area by like Barn Jewish kind of. So I'm, okay. I'm actually like around a lot of like peaceful areas like kind of kind of where you're talking about, but not too far. Just yeah. a lot of like nurses and stuff all around me. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm Could hurt. be worse. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's worse problems to have. Um, so uh, I guess the, the last thing I want to know is like, if you want to leave like a last word or like, um, you know, if you want to monologue from it, like what yeah. do you want to tell the world, man? Uh, I kind of maybe thought about some stuff. I just wanted to say like, uh, for anybody who's out there that's listening to this, young or old like just stop stop uh questioning things and just like start taking more opportunities because if you just throw yourself out there once or twice there's gonna be a whole new thing a whole new whirlwind that's gonna come into your world like it's kind of like the movie yes man i guess you could say like um it's a great movie by the way yeah i mean you don't you don't want to say yes to every opportunity and you want to choose them wisely but a lot of life is about just showing up and just being there because if you feel like things are really stagnant in your life take a weird a weird chance on something 
and just show up and I guarantee you more opportunities are going to start coming from that. There's been times when I was working where I didn't have any clients that were hitting me up. I couldn't, nobody would message me back. And then there's times when you work with somebody and the next thing you know, you can't even get people to stop calling you. So be good to people, have good relationships, and that's going to show through. Like Bobby said, relationships will last you forever. They're going to call you back and just make sure you're trying to help everybody out that you come across. Yeah. Uh, Helping one another is a hell of a way to live, man. Yeah. Um, I, I've never, I've never felt bad about doing something genuinely good for somebody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't do it for the wrong reason. You don't got to post it on Facebook or anything like that. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Everybody, when you're helping people out and you see trash on the street, pick it up. I don't know. Not to be corny, but it makes the world easier to live in with it for everybody else. And if you do that, then you're going to feel better. And don't let other people's negativity get you down. Because like we said, you live in your own, in your own head and you create your own reality for, to some extent. So if you have a good attitude about it, then you're not going to trip on the little stuff. Yeah, and somebody, if somebody's really, you know, if somebody's negativity is, is in your world, just know it's a reflection of them. It's not necessarily a reflection of you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm guilty of internalizing yeah. way more than I should. And um, I know that's quicksand for me. I don't know if it is for other people. Maybe yeah. they're better at controlling it than I am. Um, so, you know... Um, but yeah, those are good words, man. I, I, Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. And, I, and um, I can't wait to tell Sydney <laughs> who I had on the podcast. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Like I just, I'm probably going to cringe whenever I hear my voice and stuff, but it's whatever. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Have you done one yet? No, I mean, I've recorded a lot of stuff, but never like a podcast. No. Yeah, I've never like had that. like an open dialogue with somebody. So I, dude, this is awesome. Like, yeah, I, I love it. It's so we're at an hour 52 minutes and yeah. we were shooting the shit before i turned the mics on yeah right? we've, yeah that's probably so like we've nothing. blown we've blown two hours without even thinking about yeah, it yeah and i feel like we could just do like more even you know yeah like we we haven't talked if we like separated uh, this one into another one and stuff like yeah we, can keep we haven't going. really talked bikes no we haven't really talked um like all like, the topics like, i briefly skimmed over everything like we can really get into everything yeah. individually but yeah you know let's keep them waiting for it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah we'll definitely do break uh, them off with a little preview of the remix <laughs> uh, yeah i would love that. and actually i i i tinker with ableton a little bit yeah yeah and and like the whole music thing we could we could, yeah that's a deep dive like i would love to do like a uh, specific topic specific specific uh podcast that'd be awesome dude. yeah yeah and definitely with somebody like having a having those conversations with somebody that you can relate to yeah and bounce ideas and off ba- of yeah. and learn from yeah like that's the cool thing because like i know like there's so much stuff that i have to learn from you dude oh please <laughs> that's, that's a experiences dude it's, it's all about sharing experiences i'm not really very good at taking compliments but thank you if, well, dude, if that's if that's what you believe to be true I hope that I can live up to that. Uh, dude, I mean, just from the overall impression of me meeting you, like, you're a cool dude. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm just like you. I'm just me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Living and if that, if that can be defined as cool, then that's, that's, that's great. That's fucking cool. Um, and, oh, God, I don't know how else to be. Like, I'm 43, and I'm sitting in a room with uh, 14 skateboards or 12 skateboards on my wall you know what i mean the lance mountain board the, <sighs> the pal peralta like fools don't even know each each one of these has a story by the way um yeah so the very first one the ray barbie uh-huh. no real story there that's just that's the board that's, that's a, a board i wanted when i was a kid couldn't yeah. afford it have it now okay but beneath that that picture 
is me doing a front side at King's Highway Skate Park. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. Self-photographed with my SLR on a tripod. What? Yeah, you know how hard that is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Setting a 20-second like, timer, video. timing your run. Right that's at not, the top. That's not, that's not a screen grab from video. No, that yeah, is that's a snapshot. Like, it ain't a video. Yeah, that, that took... I don't even know how many runs I to get. I that park, though. That shit was oh, dope. Dude, it was such a good park. And each one of these, you know, that's... I've talked about Infected Mushroom. I'm wearing their shirt right yeah. now. That's one of their boards. They released both, for it. Both, both members of Infected Mushroom signed that board. Okay. And that's when I met Dove Dev, the, yeah. the, the front guy from that group. Um, that board, that park, next picture, that board. Uh, and both of those are King's Highway um, pictures. This board here, and of course, if you're listening to this, this is like you're getting nothing from this, but yeah. me and Kyle are. Um, <laughs> the kids, Jessica had had um, some wood carving, some wood burning done on that board. Yeah. And the kids gave that to me for Christmas. Okay. And that's a picture of me and Sydney. Yeah, like getting and, it. and Ian at Christmas time. And then that's Ian's board. Okay. And that's the picture of him dropping on that board. That's his first fucking drop in. <laughs> that's his first drop in, yeah, dude. Like so much memories right here. Yeah, that's a screen grab yep. from his first drop in I recorded with the GoPro. And then that's Sydney yeah. on her board. I taught her to drop in. She dropped in when she was nine. Jeez. Nine she dropped in a quarter. Dropped in, to be honest. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was she 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 beat um Tyler Newton. Yeah, yep. Yeah, dude. It was that was like she I was saw like, they posted something about that the other day actually. It was so funny, man, because <laughs> Tyler was so bummed because Sydney dropped in before him. <laughs> yeah, she I was like, I used to hang out with Timmy all the time. We used to, used to skate over at Tyler's house and stuff. So Yeah. You know who's coming in next week? Who? Timmy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's a mechanic now, right? Yeah. 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 And then that is... Um, I love Timmy. Tell him I said what's up. Hi, Timmy. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely will. That picture, that's um, Matt. Um, 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 we lost Matt. To oh, Matt DeWeese? Yeah, that's okay, Matt DeWeese's yeah. board. Okay. And that picture I took of them, I was actually... They were sitting on top of the quarter waiting to drop in. Yeah. And I was lying at the bottom of the quarter with the SLR looking up. That's how I got that image. Um, and then that's Timmy Newton's board yep. next to it with a picture of Timmy skating uh, King's Highway with me. Yeah. And then the Lance Mountain is, um, do you know Mike Burke? Yep. That's Mike Burke's board. If you look closely at the picture beneath that, yeah. that's him doing an error over the lip of a half pipe on that board. <laughs> yeah, dude. How fucking epic yeah, like, is that? Exactly. Like, And he, the thing is, is it's like so, like, it's priceless. You know what I mean? Like to you. Dude, like, this is, uh, when I finish this wall. Yeah. I sat down. That was, this table wasn't in here. I sat down in one of these chairs and I got emotional. Yeah, you're just sitting there like staring at it. Yeah, dude. All these so it memories. Didn't come to be like you did all at once. Or yeah. You had the idea. To yeah. Do it. No, it did not evolve. Um, me and Ian hung the boards one night, yeah. and then I hung the pictures the next day. Yeah. And um, it's just like all these emotions. And this wall has been sitting vacant for since we bought the house. Yeah. And it was always my intention to do something with it. I actually was going to have my buddy. Um, Adam Hensky, Burn 353, yeah. do a wall mural here and, and paint me a mural. But yeah. Jessica and I never could agree on what to put there. Yeah, I feel you. And now the house is mine to do with what I want. And and I've had all these boards and I've had some sort of a vision like this. Mm-hmm. But then I did it. And, and it was just like all these memories come flooding back. Yeah. And, and I'm not like joking. Like, everyone. dude, I, my heart was full. And it was a fucking great moment. And I, every time I'm in this room, like I, I, it's almost like I feel a hug. Yeah. I love it so much. Literally, it's a reflection of you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's it's part of your family it's family art yeah yeah really yeah like that's part of it that's a good this is a good representation of it you know yeah i'm i really really dig it and by the way a shout out to to adam hensky burn 353 that's one of his pieces there oh wow that is yeah hard that that actual piece was in his apartment yeah his apartment had a a um completely destructive fire everything in the apartment gone yeah that was the only thing that survived and there's like a little is that soot and stuff on there's it? there's like, a little bit of soot on yeah, it yeah that looks awesome and like and the overall effect on it that oh was that was his that was his prized painting yeah and i've seen the painting prior you know pre-fire and post-fire yeah there's only a little bit of tinting to it it's mostly intact i mean that's a dope story for it and yeah just like the i would just feel like yeah like the way that the uh painting looks in general like it looks like it's supposed to be like gone through some shit like that <laughs> yep and then um he and his wife were wanting to buy a house mm-hmm. and he needed money for a down payment and uh he finally said he'd sell it yeah and he'd sell it to me for like a quarter of what he could have got yeah. if he would have put it out there in the world and i said dude this is your i'm just paying you money to have to it hang on my wall yeah if you ever want this back you just say so i've heard about a lot of stuff like that it's you know and i feel super privileged to have that hang on my wall yeah the 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 piece is called angel boy and that was like his that character he's got different characters yeah. now if you look and at his art, like yeah, but, but here. Angel Boy is an early generation for him. Like he has. Oh, that's like one of his first ones, like his first yeah. characters of it. Yeah, one of his one of his first. I love stuff like that. It's like yeah. their style of it. And if you if you get up close to that, you can see where the the heat has affected the paint. It's yeah. got some some sort of like chipping or chipping a bit of like, yeah. started. Yeah, it's, uh, dude, I. I I'm surprised he must have like really like painted it like with high quality stuff because yeah like there's hardly anywhere on that. Yeah, he's he's been a he's been an artist exclusively now for probably six or seven years yeah but he was a graphic designer before that doing art on the yeah, side kind of falls into and yeah, then same thing. And, and then finally he had that inner conversation with himself saying it's just not worth it like he was giving up so much of himself to be an interior designer or, yeah. a, or a graphic designer and dealing with people's bullshit mm-hmm. and still trying to do art like he said you know, if I just do art, I can make similar money. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, you're doing whatever you want. At that yeah. Point. And and the art that he makes now, dude, his the value for money on his art, like the amount of effort that goes into it. Yeah. Because he does a lot of woodcuts and then paints them and, yeah. and creates three dimensionals and all. Dude. Like sculptures and stuff like that through them. Something like short. Sculpture. Yeah. It's it's three dimensional, two dimensional art. So yeah. it's it's two dimen- It's two D art with some depth. Okay. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah. Um, you got yeah, definitely. You just definitely look him up on yeah. on on Instagram. My phone's dead right now, but I'm gonna message you later and have you send me his ad or something. Yeah. yeah he and I go way back. He was a skater as well. Yeah. I want to do that. I don't know if they're even open yet, but that's like over by Dollar General, that brewery that they're opening. I messaged him. I was like, let me know if you guys need any mural services up there. I'd, I'd love to paint something. Yeah. I don't know if they're open or anything. Yeah. They're things are moving along as I as I understand it. They're moving slow. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everything took a real standstill with all this stuff. So. Yeah, COVID took a hit on it, and I and I think also getting um. I want to say they've had a little bit of vandalism. Actually, I think there's some oh, broken really? glass up there, and and um, I think getting um, zoning and licensing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's fun. That's fun working with the government up here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's another business. The city should be doing everything they can to see that's to what it I'm that saying. it gets yeah, going. Nobody wants to do anything here because of it. 
The um, town holds it up, itself up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the specifics on it, so I, I won't say. Too but much. I, I would say that if any new business is, is, is trying to develop within city limits here, that the city should be as proactive as absolutely possible. Yes, for sure. As proactive because bring it in. Yeah. You want, you don't want the town to be all older people and every kid's leaving because that's the recipe yeah. for disaster. I mean, even now I'm 43 and I'm not. As well, a single dude, this is not the place to live. I was going to say, like, I'm okay. surprised that you're into all the stuff that you're into here. It's like, it's obvious that you're going to the city and stuff and doing all that stuff. But, like, just even biking, I couldn't ride. I would probably ride through this town in, like, two, day, two days, three days after riding. It's like... Well, so I, I ride... I like urban riding, though. I ride the same route. I and, and the route that I ride is mostly... The trail. Trail. Yeah. And so I don't have to worry That's about cars. Different. Um, I've done some group rides in St. Louis, and and dealing with traffic and group rides is sort it's of reckless. okay. Um, the, tra- the traffic is reckless in general. Like sometimes I'm like, I got no regard for myself. Like I need to quit this. Yeah, it's pretty treacherous. And yeah, I, I'm sitting here all scraped up. And yeah, stuff. I like to ride with headphones in too. Dude. Yeah, I like that too. And and honestly, I don't think you can ride in the city responsibly with no, music and move. Yeah. So. I don't know. I'm I'm caught in two minds with it. Although I, that Katy Trail ride you did, I want to know more about that. Yeah, that one's dope. Um, so like actually, like in St. Charles, you can like pull up there to the main uh, where it is like the riverfront that they have in St. Charles, mm-hmm. and you can just park there, and then you just the trail goes right on the river in St. Charles off Main Street. So you just take it straight out to the eastern terminus, and then you can uh, like there's a few stops along the way, but yeah, then you just turn around and come back. I don't usually like there and backs really, but look at is you. is it all asphalt? Oh uh, yeah, some it's of like gravel. 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 Okay, it's not, it is gravel. It's not as good as the uh, riverfront trail. If you, if you, I have a good recommendation for you. Park at, um, do you know where the Cotton Mill Freight Depot is over by Shady Jacks on I the don't. north side? It's like just right on the north side of downtown. There's like a, where like some of the more industrial like steampunk style stuff looks. Yeah. There's a parking st- a parking lot there that has a trailhead, and then you can ride 11 miles out to. Uh, Chain of Rocks Bridge too, and that's all all oh, wow. uh, what do you call it? asphalt? Paved. It's all asphalt, paved, smooth. Yeah, and like the only elevation is really at the end. There's like a hill climb and then a short uh, descent. But yeah, so it's a it's eleven miles one way. Yep. That's so you nice. can park at uh, Chain of Rocks too and ride it the other way, but it's more fun riding from the city and back. Yeah, because it goes like through a few train yards and stuff, like on the riverfront. Oh and no you can shit! See, like, a bunch of graffiti and stuff, so it's cool. That'd be tight. Yeah, it's a good, uh, good trail, and I know it goes south too. They're reconnecting it to like Arnold. They, they're building the one that goes over River to oh, Pear. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, so no kidding. That'd be a long ride, there. Arnold to Chain of Rocks. Yeah, all the way. Well, I wouldn't do the whole thing. Probably, I would probably just go like to Arnold, maybe. You like, know, I I did the Century in Springfield. You did? How yeah. long is that? A hundred miles? Hundred mile. Yeah, that's insane. Did a hundred and two miles in one day. I could not imagine that. Like, it was. Were you hurting? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, was yeah. it solo? Like you did, you did it by yourself, um, or is it just like a race, or like not a race, right? It's a yeah, it's a race. Yeah, um, I wasn't racing. Yeah, you know there were guys who were trying to win. I was just doing it. Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't but, know if it's just like like something that whenever people go to Springfield, like they ride like the Century like route or something like that. No, this is this is an organized race that yeah. I think happens in September, and you start in Springfield, and you. You ride out to a town that's 20 miles out of town, and then from there's a 
there's a civic center in, in the town center yeah where they have all the support stuff so there would be a um a bicycle mechanic there yeah um a hydration center with like gatorade water everything you might need they got food inside with snacks and all that sort of shit so like 20 miles out there to the town and then they have three different 20 mile loops okay so you go out and ride and this long back. loop and you yeah. come back and you you like 20 miles out then do each of the 20 mile loops yeah, and then 20 cool. miles back and i totaled 102 over the course of the day yeah. seven seven and a half hours of of moving time on the bike how far is the tour de donut um the one i did was 32 okay. i think damn 32 I was miles. just thinking about if I could do it on fixed, but I don't know if I want to do it on fixed here. You could do it on fixed. Okay. How, what's the route? You had like, the, yeah, there's a cocksucker out here that's just impossible. Yeah. Like, it was bad, dude. But I saw kids out there, you know, on, like, 24-inch and, and, and a couple on BMX, but a lot of people on, like, on like just cruiser bikes. Walmart, or road Walmart bikes. mongoose yeah. bikes, you know, that, not serious bikes. Yeah. Of course, there's, you know, I think there's north of 2,000 riders. Yeah. And so with 2,000 riders, big. you're going to have a lot of people on serious bikes. But Some then, people who I talk to in St. Louis, they're like, where, where are you from? I tell them, they're like, oh, yeah, I go there and ride Tour de Donna. I'm yeah, like, exactly. Crazy. Yeah, and I've done a few rides, and it's 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 a big deal when when they get into the middle hundreds. What do you mean? In terms of scales. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, three, four, five hundred riders yeah. for a race. Like I did a, I did one over in Indiana called the Hancock Flat 50. Yeah. And I think they had 400 riders and they were amped about it. Yeah. They were amped about 400 we riders. We have, the, the one I did, we had something like 21 or 2200 riders. That's insane. I wouldn't even want to be on the street with that many people. Yeah, it's bonkers, dude. Yeah. It was. They release it in heats, right? Um, so, yeah, kind of. I mean, they definitely take and try to put the fast riders out front yeah the people who are actually competing and then if you're just a punter like i am yeah, then, just then yeah you fall in somewhere in the middle yeah um i that, that was my very very first race interesting side note about that is that i bought that bike and i'd had that bike for a little while and i was training because i had signed up for the tour de donut yeah. and i was i'd always wanted to do it i'd always been around it you know living yeah, here for living all these here. years knew about it but then never was able to participate because i never had a proper bike for yeah. it yeah and I bought this bike, and I was like, fuck it, yeah, I'm going to do the Tour de Donut this yeah, year. I've, yeah. got, I've got the gear. I'm going to do it. And so I was training, and um, I had a work day, and I still wanted to fit my training ride in. So I got up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, damn. Jump on the bike. By like 4.45, 4.50 or so, I'm on my ride, and I'm headed out of town, and I've got podcasts in my ears. I'm looking up their stars. The temperature was perfect. Yeah. I was in a real zen moment. Like cruising. I'm cruising. I'm on the trail. And the only thing you could see on the trail, because it was still dark, was the dotted lines. Where do the dotted lines land? In the fucking middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what it also is in the middle? Oh, those. Those uh, fucking barriers. Yeah, yeah. So you hit one? I hit one at like 15, 16, oh. 17 miles an hour. Like a car accident. I didn't yeah. see it until it happened. And just got the bike. It was three or four days prior to the Tour de Donut. Yeah. And I hit that thing, Were you dude. good, though? Like your body? I, you know, I hurt my wrist. I flew no shit 
at least 10 feet yeah. in the air before I made contact to the ground and then slid for I don't know how long. Yeah. Like, I know where I landed. When I go out there and I look at where that barrier is yeah, and look like at where it. I landed, I was like, how in the world? But I didn't really get hurt. Yeah. Just I went, like, I hit it square on and I flew straight over the fucking thing. And the, um, the wheel survived. It broke the front fork. Yeah. Clean. Oh, shit. Like front right fork, in, yeah, right gone. It's all carbon fiber, right? Yeah. So, yeah, right below the stem, broke the fork clean off. Yeah. I managed to find another fork in a matter of, like, the next day. I went to a bike shop over in Edwardsville, and he had a bike in there that he was able to take a donor fork off yeah. of that would fit. That's dope. And that's, so there's a Bianchi fork on yeah. that Marin bike. Up. Like, hey, oh, yeah. you got the extra upgrade on there? Yep. And um, <laughs> and I was able to do the donut, man. Yeah. I did it Hell with yeah, a, that's with good. a, a I thought brace. that was going somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I A, survived the, the accident, yeah. and B, the, got and the able bike. to ride it, you know yeah, what I mean? got the bike back together, and I, and I did the thing. I did it with, um, with a wrist guard on. Yeah. You know, it limited my, my wrist. Mobility. was really painful for quite a while. Um, but, yeah, I still got that ride in. Dude. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. It was so good. Like, I never, like, I remember, like, always seeing the Torta Donut. I'm like, I'll never do that type of thing. Like, now I'm just so obsessed with bikes. I don't even yeah. get it. <laughs> I can't wait till the races come back. It's, yeah. you know, for me and for you. Yeah, exactly. Because taking part in those, in group rides is fun, but then going and doing a race, that's a, that's a blast, too. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I haven't gotten a chance to participate in one, but I want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've, and it goes back to that sort of being around people uh, from Have common ground. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I've tried to get my friends to drive with me and stuff, and now I even have, like, a second, my old second road bike now. So, like, I'll be like, oh, come on, come on. And everybody's just like, man, like, they're not into it. But it's all yeah. good. Everybody is into their own thing. I had that giant, I've had that giant motorcycle now for probably, not motorcycle, that giant yeah, mountain yeah. bike in there. And I've had that for the better part of a year. I, mm. Nobody's ever ridden it. Really? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to sell it just yeah. because nobody everybody's ever Everybody's buying it. bikes right now, so it would be a good time to sell it. Yeah. Like, I heard yeah. bike shops are just busy as hell right now, too. Yeah. Well, COVID got people out of the house. Exactly, yeah. It like, forced them, it forced them to in the house. Before it. Yeah, it forced them in the house for which they couldn't wait to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in St. Louis, they were saying that they were encouraging people to uh, ride their bikes and stuff. So, like, all like Tower Grove was cracking, like, the whole COVID. Mm-hmm. The whole time during COVID-19, there was, like, people all socially distanced, but it was full of people in there. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. Even Staunton's been that way. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know I've been doing this fitness thing for a couple years now. Yeah. And um, so I've been out. Rain or shine, mm-hmm. colder, warm, whatever, Training. didn't matter. Yeah, getting my runs, getting my rides in and all that stuff. And, and I have a pretty good bead for how busy things are. Yeah. Man, COVID happened. There's people everywhere all the time. Exactly. You know, always people to wave at. Like the world changed. It did change a lot. It <laughs> changed in a lot of ways for, for really the better. better. Yeah, Yeah. honestly, yeah. And I'm, 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 hoping, I'm hoping that that sticks a little bit. For sure, yeah. Just people being a little bit more mindful about others and just thinking about what they're doing and, like, spreading stuff. The crazy thing is, is I, I usually get the flu every year, and, like, I didn't get anything this year. Like, <laughs> swear to God. Uh, super ironic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, okay, uh, maybe I'm asymptomatic. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, man, I this turned out just about like I thought it would. Amazing, dude. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping to sit down and have a, a good conversation and have a good time talking. Sure. And it's been exactly that. Thank you. Thank you so much for making the trip. Thank you um, for inviting me. And, um... Uh, I'm genuinely from my heart grateful. So yeah, thank you very much. Um, for those who, you, who have taken the time to listen to this. Um, yeah, if you're still listening this far, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I love you too. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Lucader, everybody. Thank you very much. And, uh, much love fam. Bye. So awesome.